shows tomorrow. Tomorrow. As of this recording. Not November in, not 19th? Wh- November 19th. The year of our Lord uh, is the birth, the 38th birthday of Adam Douglas Driver. Oh. Um, I don't know how you're planning to celebrate, but um, 38 years. 38. Of Adam Driver on this earth. Uh. Nice. And last year I got you stickers. I didn't get you anything this year. I'm sorry, but I I think, okay. but I am going to get you a, a gift. We can open okay. our maybe we can open our gifts on air like we did. Yeah, that one time for for Christmas. I mean, <laughs> or Hanukkah or the holidays. You know, the holidays. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, wow. I'll be able to remember years. that because my boyfriend's birthday is October 19th. Oh, so a month, so a month just a month apart. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and like eight years apart, but oh. or like six years. Six. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> six yeah, yeah, years yeah. and a month. So it's not like they were born at the same hospital or anything like that. Anyway, so I just wanted to wish you a happy Adam Driver's birthday. Happy Adam Driver's birthday. Uh, ADB. I right. ADBD. Yes. Yeah. Um. Of course, when this comes out, it, it'll have already passed. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what Twitter has in store for us tomorrow because they always really pull it pull out all the stops uh so lots of pictures of him shirtless looking at ray yes i'm sure just like in this movie Mm -hmm. that we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. today um i could not be more excited to be talking about the last jedi with you um i don't that's uh, folks uh, listeners that is what we are talking about yes today nicole's wearing Yes. The sweater to prove it, a Star Wars blue sweater with white Star Wars That's letters right. and red, red something on the side. Yeah, red. It, like, uh, I don't know. It looks like Han Solo's stripes. pants, maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it looks a bit like the pattern on Han Solo's pants. But uh, oh. yeah, I'm wearing a very old school sweater today, although it's not old school. I think I got it at fucking Target or some shit. But uh, it was really, really hard for me to narrow down. I know you have a lot of Star Wars paraphernalia. Nah, nah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Which Star Wars shirt exactly? I have wear? no Star Wars shirts. I just have this cool, like, uh, hold on. It's very cute. Oh my God. Is that a dinosaur with sunglasses? Yes. That is so fucking yes. cute. I think I have a shirt like that, but with a bunch of dinosaurs. We should wear them together. Isn't it something like bodacious? It or says something? the bodacious era just or something. The bodacious era. <laughs> the bodacious like peer- like period. Yes. Like yes. 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 Nice. Um, bodacious was an an eighties word, mm-hmm. right? And it meant like hot. Well, like isn't it? Ex- yeah, like yeah, hot, attractive. You would you might say Adam Driver is bodacious. He's bodacious. He's very bodacious in this movie. Um, this is the height of his bodaciousness. I I think this is when we like started to reach a zenith, and it was just up from here. Like we he I look he was always hot. We haven't gotten to Adam Sackler yet. By the way, welcome to the Adam and Andy podcast. I don't know if I've welcomed our listeners. You haven't welcomed that. Uh, I, I'm one of your hosts, Nicole. I'm your other Sarah. Sorry, I yawned. That's okay. Um, and today on the show we're going to be talking about the Last Jedi. Uh, now, but Adam's- it's not. It's it's not the last Jedi, but no, but I'm just it kidding. won't be yeah. the last Jedi. Yeah. Well, maybe I don't know. We to we haven't talked about the we last. Sky, uh, we haven't talked about Rise of Skywalker yet, but I don't believe there are any other Jedi <laughs> at the what end. About those kids, uh, right at the end of this movie. But they're yeah. but a Jedi is a specific sort of yeah. 
religious, a semi-religious uh, uh, order, you know, uh, there it's you a whole religion. Classify yourself as a Jedi. Listen, I tell you what, I, I, I don't know if I've talked about this on the show, but uh, on this show, I know we talked about it on the other show, but uh, I've been playing a game called Star Wars Galaxy's Edge on the Oculus headset. So I've been playing this VR game. I don't give a shit about video games unless it's Star Wars. And if it's a Star Wars game, like I just want to drop everything else in my life and do nothing, but play, especially in VR, because I'm like, I'm living in Star Wars this is the best thing I could ever have. Um, and there's like a couple of stories in that video game where you're a Jedi and, and this particular, the one they just released, you're a Jedi with a Padawan. So you have a learner and you have to teach them all these lessons. And in one of them, you have to stack a bunch of, uh, different shaped blocks. It took me days to stack these blocks. And I, when I tell you, I got so angry stacking these blocks I threw them around like you can use the force right and I'm mm-hmm. I just got so furious that I was like throwing the blocks all around the training arena and I was like you know I would they would fail me out of Jedi school so fast like it would be me and Ben Solo just like kicked out <laughs> uh you know I'm like where are you going next uh I Snoke sure I mean I've got nothing else going on uh so you'd be a Sith? No, I don't. I, I, I would, I'd like to think I would be a, a freelance force user. Freelance force user. I'd like to think that I would be a freelance force user. I'm not really somebody who likes to join up in any particular religious order. So, But I can tell you one thing. I've been tested, and I am no Jedi. Okay? <laughs> I don't have the patience. Wow. Thank you for, for sharing that. You're it's welcome. Great. It's a thing. I think we should all try it out sometime. Uh, but yeah, stacking blocks. I was this. Fu- I was like, this fucking sucks. Give me a lightsaber. Let me fucking <laughs> murder some evil creatures. That's what I want to do. I guess I am a Sith. I don't know. <laughs> um, it, the dark side certainly is hotter. If you know what I'm saying. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna be talking about the Last Jedi today. Uh, a, a film that I think is highly anticipated for us to talk about on the show. Uh, Sarah and I, if you're just new to the show and you haven't been listening for very long, a uh, couple things. Number one, uh, it goes maybe it goes without saying, but I'm an, a huge Star Wars nerd. Like I live, I, I live and breathe Star Wars. Okay, like I, I in fact, in beh- behind me, you can see I've got my Chewbacca stuffy back there. I've got a little R two D two, R two D two. Yeah. Uh, in addition to our uh, our pillows with Adam and Andy's face on them from our photo shoot, uh, I am a fucking nerd i love star wars and sarah uh has found a way to make it so that i only have to talk about it twice a year with her and that is when we talk about one of the sequel trilogy movies uh which we've decided to talk about usually around christmas like we usually do it in december come out yeah because that's when they used to come out so um last year we talked about the force awakens in december uh, and then this year we were going to do The Last Jedi in December, but we're doing House of Gucci, so we've moved it up. And so you're getting it a little early. Uh, Sarah, you, while not as obsessive as I am with Star Wars, you do, you are a Star Wars fan. You do like the movies. I do like them. Yes, my dad showed them to me when I was eight. Um, and I remember he was like, these were the biggest thing in 1970, seven through 83, or I don't know, mm-hmm. 84. I don't know when the last one came out. Uh, 1983. 
Yeah. So he was like, these were oh, the bit biggest. Oh, yeah, yeah. You've got it now. Uh, you were like talking oh. next to your mic. Sorry. There you go. Um, But he was like, these were the big deal like mm-hmm. back then. And like the special effects were like so advanced that yeah. everyone was like, whoa. Yeah. Um, and I was like, really? And he was like, yes. Um, and I just remember like the awe he had for mm-hmm. them. And I was like, that's cool. Like I just like because I saw how much he mm-hmm. liked them and made me like them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do remember that they re-released them in the theater. Yes. Yes. Um, and of course I went to year... in high school. I was in high school when those came yeah, out. Yeah. So I was yeah. like eight. And um, we, we saw the first one. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming home and wanting to like play pretend like play star star wars pretend but i was like there's only one girl like i was like i have to be leia like i can't be any any, although leia's great but yes she's great but i was like i don't want to be the one girl like i want to choose which girl i want to be yeah yeah you know so i just remember having that thought when i was eight (laughs) i um being the little actor writer that I was, I so I I don't remember when I first saw Star Wars, the first Star Wars movie, because I was like, it's always been a part of my life. Like it's just always been around. It's always been on. We had them on VHS. I would watch them over and over and over again. And I had all this the Mattel. In fact, I got a bunch of figures up here uh, in my office. You can't see them because they're on the wall above my 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 camera. But I've got a whole bunch of uh, the Kenner figures up there. Um, I used to play along with my favorite movies. Like I'd watch them, but I would also like write myself apart for them mm. uh, for, in them. And so uh, I made up my own female character because I, nice. you know, Le- I, I, not that I wouldn't want to, I mean, Leia's amazing, uh, but I was, you know, I made my own. I character. guess I didn't like how she was. I mean, even at that young age, I could tell that her character was in relation to Luke and Han. Mm. And I was like, I want to be my own person. I don't want to yeah. be like, Han's girlfriend or like Luke's sister or like yeah. I don't know I wanted to be like mm-hmm. strong and a Jedi and mm-hmm. and Leia was not at the time no although I think she definitely was a uh as female characters go like I want to I mean we're not of course we're not here to talk about the original trilogy but we are so we're doing it um I mean Leia I have I can't, I have to say like at least when I was growing up there just weren't that many adventure films where the woman was anything but being rescued and Mm -hmm. yes the first movie has them going to rescue princess leia but when they get there they're such a they're such a bunch of himbos that Mm -hmm. she has to rescue herself um Mm -hmm. so that was while i would i would you know while i wish there were more female characters in the original trilogy and uh and all of that i do think leia's you know she's leading the resistance you know she's got responsibilities like she's not just a damsel in distress and that Mm -hmm. was fucking cool but i agree with you the one thing i always wanted was a badass self-sufficient jedi that was Mm -hmm. a a female character and uh that is yet another reason why i'm thrilled to talk about this movie because that's exactly what we have here yeah um so before we get into the last jedi like really get into it would you like to get into some adam and andy news Sure. Okay. I I have so much fucking news. So much fucking news, Sarah. Uh, okay. I have so much news. Okay, let me just... So I'm going to just go right into our visual aids. Okay. Okay? I'm just going to go right into it because that's just how much fucking news I have. All right. So... All right. So can you see this? Yes. All right. So... Uh, <laughs> 
mean, look at their faces. I know. Look at oh them. So listeners, uh, right now we're looking at a photo of Andy and Maya. Oh my uh, gosh. Maya Rudolph. I can't take it. Oh my gosh. I'm I sorry. love them so fucking much. Like this, I feel like this. Okay. So listeners, the if you don't know, the Baking It trailer came out yesterday uh, for us as of yesterday uh, as of this recording it came out yesterday and Sarah and I were actually hanging out yesterday because we were watching The Last Jedi um and so we watched it together and this show I uh, I want to hear your thoughts uh what I I we got all kinds of stuff in here like how the competition's going to be set up like who the judges are um, we got all kinds of Maya and Andy in cozy. Here's yet another picture of them in some robes, uh, looking super cozy. Look how so cute they are! I look at his hair. Look at that hair. I know his cute. Little oh my gosh, so cute. Uh, they. I feel like the show already radiates comfort to me, and yeah. uh, and it's adorable and wholesome, and it's like exactly what I want this holiday yes, season. Totally, and the and yet it's. Even though the the tra- tra- trailer does seem wholesome, it's still not as wholesome as the Great British Baking Show. Okay, well that's something like, you watch a lot. Yeah, um, it's a little sassy, right? It's a little sassy, yeah. Um, the judges are a bunch of sassy grandmas. Yeah, which is kind of my like second my second favorite part of the show. In 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 addition to Andy and Maya, who I both I adore both of those actors. Um is the whole like sassy grandma's judging baked goods. Like I'm yeah. so <laughs> fucking excited about that. Um, in fact, we are so excited that we decided uh, we were going to do the finale uh, episodes of uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine season eight uh, as our sort of last episode of season two, which would come out in December. Uh, but instead we've decided to do a baking it like megasode where we're going to watch all six mm-hmm. episodes. We're obviously not going to talk about them each that would take forever, uh, but I, we'll find some way to talk about all of them uh, in one episode. Uh, and we're, that's what we'll do in z- December. And so, listeners, I'm sorry, but we're going to be delaying, prolonging our saying goodbye to Brooklyn Nine-Nine uh, because season eight, uh, we'll talk about that in January instead mm-hmm. of in December. Or we can we can just pretend it's December part two. December part two, as I like to call it. Although, aren't we ready to leave 2021 behind? Yes. Like, didn't I say the other night? I you, was like, oh. You accidentally yeah. said, we'll do that in 2021. And I was like, don't make me relive this year again, Nicole. <laughs> I think we're all ready to say goodbye to 2021. Yeah. Not as bad as 2020, but no. still had some low points for sure. Yes. Um. So, uh, and then, of course, here is the uh, baking it, uh, you know. Yeah, it's like uh, a ho- holiday, part. totally. It's a holiday. I feel like we're gonna and and maybe we'll try to make a baked good from the show. Yeah. Um. And like some uh, some gingerbread co- cookies or something. Oh, I don't I know. Love gingerbread cookies. Mm-hmm. My mom gave, has this recipe. It came from like a Southern Living cookbook. My favorite mm-hmm. cookie recipe for the holidays are called melt away butter cookies, and they're mm-hmm. literally butter and sugar that's all they're made of they're just butter and sugar and they and then you and you put you squeeze you squirt them out of a gun it's like a cookie gun is there no flour uh no it's well it's butter no i think there's some flour in there at some point but i remember you put like four sticks of butter (laughs) and like two cups of sugar and i think there's some egg in there somewhere i don't know anyway it's uh it's mostly butter and um 
and then you squirt them out of a cookie gun and you sprinkle sprinkles on top and you can do different shapes like ornaments and Christmas trees and stuff. And that's like my favorite holiday cookie. Um, so baking it, that's, that's, I I mean, I guess we shouldn't, well, we're not there yet. We're not going to get to that yet, but that's what we'll, we'll be doing in December. Uh, so news for Andy, Andy, uh, obviously baking it's coming out in December. Uh, we did also get, I don't know if I sent you a link to it. I know I sent you, oh no, I did send you a link. There was a little teaser kind of thing that came out with, uh, John Mulaney and Andy, uh, I sent it to you, uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Coming out on Disney did Plus. You, when did you send it to me? I don't. I, I I think I sent you a bunch of Adam stuff that day as well. I sent you a bunch of videos of Adam on the Graham Norton show, and then I also sent you a link to. Oh. Um, I don't remember to, the chip. I, I watched all the Graham Norton ones. Um, but yeah, so it was just a little teaser. It was really funny and cute, and it was Andy and John Mulaney like talking about how Chippendale is going to be coming out soon on Disney Plus. They didn't give us a, a time or a date. Uh, but they also made a cute joke about, uh, oh, yeah, 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 there it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they made a cute joke about how they the scripts were super tiny, like this big. Like tiny, like like the size of a chipmunk script. It was very cute. Why were they so tiny? Because Chip and Dale are, are chipmunks. And they're doing the voices. Oh, but... Okay, I'm sorry. I missed that. Did did the people who are making this film it was a joke make them? No, no, it was, it was a joke. A joke. Okay. Like they were like Andy was like, I was so excited uh, about this project once I read the super teeny tiny script and and then they cut to like <laughs> a shot of the script and it's like this big. Oh, cute. Uh, it was adorable. Um, so uh, we don't know when Chip and Dale are coming out. I I don't think we're gonna do Chip and Dale on the show because I don't know that I'm thirsty for chipmunks, but I don't know. We but can John talk about Mulaney. it. Do you want? to do an episode about it you i will we can skip the moment of thirst but well no i'm gonna be thirsty if i hear andy's voice even if it's coming out of a chipmunk sarah but just thirst after the chipmunks i mean i can don't think i can't uh thirst after cartoon i mean have you seen robin hood from the disney movie robin hood right hot as hell yes. okay hot. First so, crush. all right. Well, listeners, let us know at, at Adam Andy Pod. Do you want us to cover Chippendale Rescue Rangers? Because we will if you want us to. Seems weird, <laughs> but we'll do it. Um. So, and then also Andy is going to be on the Seth Meyers show on uh, November 24th. Cool. That's so, the day before Thanksgiving, right? That is also, I, I think that's also the day that House of Gucci is released mm-hmm. um, as well. Also, I feel like... I, in a a teaser or a trailer or something or somewhere, I saw that it's only being really only playing Thanksgiving. It's like what only November twenty fourth or what? something. It's uh, House, House, of, House of Goo. Goo no, Goo, no, 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 no. It's gonna be out. Uh, we uh, only in theaters. I think is what you saw because it's not being released in streaming yet. Okay, because I was like, only in theaters November 24th. And I was like, what? You're like, wait, no. <laughs> uh, no, we're good. Well, we're going to go see it. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about the end of that, that at the end of the episode. But yeah, so uh, 1124, uh, Andy on Seth Meyers. Uh, and that's pretty much what I have for Andy. Uh, the, the People's Choice Awards are ongoing. People are still voting for that as well. So we don't have any info on whether he won the People's Choice Award yet. But hopefully he will. How long do they take to vote? 
I don't know. They're still going. You can like vote every day. Apparently I, I, I voted a couple of times, so I'm doing my part <laughs> uh, voting for Andy and Brooklyn nine, nine for best comedy show. Uh, Cause they're yeah. both up. All right. So uh, moving on to Adam, I there's literally so much happened with Adam that I, I really couldn't write it all down. Uh, so I just, put a bunch of pictures together and I thought that would help us talk about it. So uh, the first picture I have is of the cast of House of Gucci at the UK premiere of House of Gucci. Um, and He's the only one that looks comfortable. Uh, I mean, They all look like they're like I'm in this crazy outfit. He, he looks like uh, yeah, He, I, I, think I, I think my favorite uh, meme about Adam standing with his cast members from the UK premiere was like you know, uh, two, well, it was a, uh, Jared Leto and, and uh, Lady Gaga, but two uh, hip vampires and their uh, accountant was the <laughs> was the meme. And I was like, yes, that pretty much sums it up. Adam is in a very nice uh, navy. He's wearing color. He's wearing color. Nice navy uh, Burberry suit. Apparently it's Burberry. He's been wearing a lot of Burberry. Um, and I, um, I mean, Lady Gaga's dress incredible i mean selma hayek as well uh jared leto i whatever um i like his velvet suits are cool i'm not gonna lie but i as a person i i think he's uh he's he's a dumpster fire so i i don't i reserve comment on him too much yeah is he wearing high heels and a a diamond necklace which is fine his outfit i don't have a problem with his outfit his outfit is cool i don't like i don't like him the person he's a fucking cult leader and he and he and he and he does weird shit to people uh when he's like in character in on on film sets and i think that's fucked up uh he's a yeah he's just like he's not a i don't like him as a person Uh, i'm sure he's going to be good in the movie but uh i i i i just he's a creep I will always remember him as Jordan Catalano. Oh, believe me, I remember him too. I was a I was a tween in the nineties, Sarah. Of course I remember Jordan Catalano. Anyway, uh Lady Gaga looked incredible. Here's uh can you do you this picture? I sent it to yes, you. This is you did. Lady Gaga lifting up it. her leg and, and Adam's uh, standing behind her. I love his this, face. This happened a week ago. Like this feels like a million years ago to me it because does, so much has does. happened. But yeah. like this premiere happened a week ago. I, I what I love Crazy. about all of these pictures, and I think you'll see that, is that it seems to me like uh that they all enjoy being with each other like he him and al pacino and lady gaga and even jared leto and uh uh, selma hayek and all of them seem to uh really enjoy being with each other and hanging and and have a good relationship and they're having fun like maybe it's just that because this movie is so wild that they're having fun with it i feel like when you are opening a movie like the last duel which adam didn't really uh participate in the press of that i mean he was shooting a film but also i can see why you know going out and doing the flashy thing when you're playing that type of character that may not have been something that was appealing to him but uh and maybe that's because the tone of this movie is although it includes murder um is maybe a little bit flashier and more fun and they seem to be having fun with that and adam seems very smiley and having fun with that Mm mm-hmm so uh, House of Gucci premiered in uh, the UK. Uh, also, we had uh, Adam on the Graham Norton show. Uh, so here he is there doing and, that. And and Lady Gaga as well. And Lady right? Gaga was there. Josh Gad uh, was on the show. And Do you it, think that Lady Gaga allows people she works with to call her by her real name? Uh, I would think so. Yeah. Like, is she like, 
Adam, call me Stephanie. Or like instead of or does he I mean, refer to her as Gaga? Like what how, I, have, how, what I did don't they call I her? don't know. Listeners, do you know the answer to this? Tweeted us at Adam Pod. Let us know what does what do you think Adam calls I think he probably I think that when she's just her, she probably just goes by Stephanie. But to be honest, I mean you saw the documentary, not me. I didn't I, I think I watched the beginning of it when it was on first out on Netflix, but um she didn't five and a half me- or five foot one or something. At all. Oh, okay. Well, and also I, I, that documentary, I think, was a bit of a performance as well. So, yeah. but yeah, I would imagine that she, that when she's just being with people that she's working yeah. with, she, they pro- I, I mean, don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, even when she's being, cr- like, in the cre- cre- credit, she's credited as Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, well, it's I mean, not like Stephanie, whatever. But that is her, her name that's is. her stage name, though. Yeah. I mean, that is her artist persona, persona. Mm-hmm. I guess if you want to say, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. I mean, let her. Yeah, I, I, I actually maybe that's healthy to yeah. have a separation. I mean, uh, my uh, our our comp- our production company, Critical Crop Top. I do all of our promoting and talking about the things that we do through that account. Uh, also, when I'm on. It, it, it when I'm being the Adam and Andy count, I feel like I'm taking on a certain identity. I'm not trying to compare myself to Lady Gaga, mind you, but I do feel like there's like a safety there when you're able to separate yourself from the art and giving yourself a name that is your artist's name is a mm-hmm. way to do that. Um, and I, I think that that's actually probably kind of healthy to be able to say Lady Gaga is this artist person and Stephanie well you would think that that maybe like I would always thought of of Lady Gaga as like her musical self Mm -hmm. she Mm -hmm. had an actor self before Mm -hmm. she did music Mm -hmm. but but I guess I always thought that she would use her like think about The Rock The Mm -hmm. Rock used to be like in in wrestling Mm -hmm. The Rock Mm -hmm. but his he uses his real name now Dwayne Johnson when he acts true uh but also like I think in that case, he may want to separate himself from the wrestler to be taken seriously yeah. as an actor. Whereas Gaga is Gaga, no matter where she goes. And yeah. also, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think that there's something healthy about having a, a persona that's an actor, and also it lets you keep something of yourself. I mean, think about every how many people feel entitled to Adam, the mm-hmm. person who is just a person yeah. who they don't really know, and like. If you if you had an identity that was just you, the 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 artist person, then they get to have that, and you get to keep yourself. I don't know. I think there's something healthy about that. Very true. Yeah. Um. Anyway, this is a great picture. By, he by looks the way. so happy. He's been so mm-hmm. happy and smiling on all these shows, and I I just love it. You can tell that that they had a good time. Him and Gaga have a really good rapport on all of these shows. This was the show where where Graham Norton told them that their sex scene was like the hottest thing he's seen in years, and then they fist bumped. <laughs> Remember I sent you a picture yeah. of that? Yeah. Um uh and uh oh also I I th- I think I sent you a video from this with this also cuz on the last show you were like well does did they stay in their accents all the time as it turns out it was lady it was Gaga who stayed in the accent the whole time and and not Adam. <laughs> yeah. Adam did not do that. <laughs> he made a very funny face when she was like yes he put up with me being basically Patrizia for the entire time they were working together. Um, because she said that she on Graham Norton, she said it was easier for her to stay in character all the time than to go in and out of character. That's yeah. That yikes. I can't, 
I can't do the the, no, the, the, the method thing. I, I can't either, but I also respect other like people's process as long as like, again, and I've said this on the show. Abuse. Be, be, be abusive. Yes. As long as you're not being abusive. Uh, so I believe Jared Leto does the same thing uh, as we've talked, we talked about uh, a second ago or a few minutes ago. I don't know how long ago that was. Uh, but yeah. Uh, I guess this character was not abusive, so maybe Except he was she more killed Adam Dry- pleasant Dry- to be Driver. around. No, I mean Jared Leto's character. So maybe he was more pleasant to be around since he was like a oh, dumb okay. buffoon uh, instead of you know the Joker. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I respect other people's processes as long as it's not abusive to their cast members. Uh, I, I, I frankly, I can see the the appeal of staying in character because. Um, Frankly, I do a lot of joking in between takes, and I think sometimes uh, I, I, I I use music to refocus myself. So I'll put headphones in when I need to focus. But I mm-hmm. but I, I I certainly have, and I think I, I I don't know. You've been on set with me. Maybe you could maybe you agree or disagree with this. But I feel like when it's time to focus, I can focus. But there mm-hmm. are certainly moments where I get jokey in between takes, and mm-hmm. uh, maybe I should be not as jokey. So I, I understand. Uh, I understand that sort of i mean i get maybe in between takes like being quiet 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 if you're gonna stay in character or or staying in character but like when you like when they're it's like wrapped for the like day when you're like when you're like at you're like continental breakfast dinner, in the morning like yeah <laughs> uh you know it's like it's a job you know like to, yeah i don't know like but you acting should... is a job where you're using your body and your mind and your emotions as an instrument so maybe for some people it's easier just to stay there you know Apparently that's not what Adam does, which I think is a little bit contrary to what we kind of thought based on what other people said. But maybe maybe he stays. Here's the thing is everybody. I think that what people have said about him this year uh, as an actor is that he's so kind and generous and fun and enjoyable to be around. Uh, And I think that that's. Uh, I think that when he's in a film like, say, The Last Jedi, where he's got to be brooding and sad and moody, maybe it's easier to stay that way in between takes. And maybe that's why he's not as chuckalux uh, in between takes uh, yeah. if you're in that kind of role. I feel like if you're uh, having to do something very emotionally heavy, yeah, I would probably stay in that place uh, until the end of the day because you got to just kind of stay there. Um, but, you know. Uh, he seems to be having fun with this role, at least. Uh, then, of course, they were all on uh, Good Morning America. The sunglasses, I just, they look, look like fucking vampires. I love it. They look like no, cool vampires. It. Look at look at all these motherfuckers in their sunglasses. Nice. So cute. Look at Jared Leto's sunglasses. Jared Leto. I, you know what? <laughs> I, I hate, I, I don't like him, but I'm, I'm that. His fashion is That fucking nice. cool silk shirt is cool. And it looks like his legs were a little cold and he's got a little lap blanket. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Like, no, that's a that's a dre- a skirt of some kind. Oh, is I, it? I see the the tassels. Oh, are, is it? Oh, okay. I yeah, didn't see him stand maybe. up. Maybe everybody yeah. in this fucking thing is so fucking fashionable. I can't even. What um, about that guy next to Gaga? Uh, which guy? Are you talking about Ridley Scott white wearing hair. wearing his puffer jacket? That's is Rid- that Ridley Scott? That's Ridley Scott. <laughs> uh, by the way, I just wanted to point out. I also sent you a link. Uh, a, a little blurb about what Ridley Scott had to say about accents in The Last Duel since we kind of dragged uh, that show about the la- the accents. I think uh, you did, but I forget what it said. He said, um, we decided not to do French accents. It would have been a nightmare. Uh, so we didn't worry about it. And my what, if, what I have to say to people who are concerned about the accents is just shut the fuck up and watch the movie. <laughs> 
that was basically what he said. He's like, enjoy the movie and shut the fuck up. <laughs> and I was like, okay, fair. Um, I, I Fine. If that's what yeah. you want me to do. Yeah. I'm just curious. Like, I loved Adam in it and yeah. Matt Damon and Ben But you're right. And, the, and I mean, Jody they could have at least picked a consistent English accent. I'm not going to get back what on this. I'm not going to get back they had cast people who could do the accent? They wouldn't have been Adam Driver and Jodie Comer and stuff, but, like, they could have at least been able to do the accent. I don't know. Eh. Which is more important, star power or accent power? I mean, I'm glad that Adam was in the movie. He was very good. Also, yeah. like, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck were the executive producers. Like, yeah, they're going to... Yeah, they get to do what they want to do. Um, and then let's see. I think. Oh, here's our last photo, and oh this God. is Adam uh, dressed head to toe in brown, uh, looking like a hot <laughs> professor uh, on Stephen Col- Stephen Colbert last night. Look at that face. I know. Well, that's I. I don't usually like. This was one of the pictures of him going in, and I don't usually post pictures of actors uh, of Adam when he's not like wanting like to be paparazzi. photographed yeah. yeah it makes me feel a little uh, queasy but i wanted to get the oh, whole outfit cute. i wanted to get yeah. the whole outfit in there um and so brown uh, i know uh, it was controversial i'll say a it lot was of, well on twitter people were like ah what Why? is happening like you they're like we wanted you to wear color but not all the same color <laughs> but Aww, i thought he looks very not nice all the same color i mean it's all browns with different shades of brown i thought he looked nice i like it i think it looks really good with his skin tone and his eyes and does stuff. he have a stylist by by I'm the way. sure he does, but uh, also there's been a lot of talk about him just like in his DILF sweater era, I believe is what yeah. they've been calling it. In fact, I think the Barely Hanging On podcast has been calling this his DILF You know, era. he seems like the kind of person who wouldn't have a stylist just to he be like, why do I a need hair, a stylist? He has a hair stylist for sure, because she goes with him everywhere. Oh, yeah? Yes. Uh, her name's oh. Amy, and she goes with him everywhere. Um, oh I don't know if there's someone picking out his clothes or not. Maybe it's Joanne, who's like... He's like, I'm going to wear all brown. And she's like, are you, though? Okay. And he's like, yes. <laughs> she's like, okay, at least wear a patterned pattern ja- on your jacket. <laughs> well, no, the, the jacket with the with the cord- corduroy yeah. look, looks good. I like this outfit. I, I personally, mm-hmm. but also, like, I, I will wear, I will wear a unitard um, mm-hmm. out in public as an outfit. So I just, yeah. I don't know if you should. Look at me to for fashion tips. I well, don't like know. yesterday, I wore every shade of gray. Good. F- oh, wow. Like, I wore like a gray dress with like a different color gray l- okay. tights and then a different color gray shoes and then a d- different color gray coat. Okay. And like a gray, like it was all different shades of gray. And like, I don't know. It was weird. It, it definitely wasn't fashionable, but I was like, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, look, fashion is an expression of oneself, right? And, and Adam was feeling brown. Brown. He was feeling mm-hmm. brown. He was feeling beige and taupe and. Uh, and I, I actually subscribed to Paramount Plus so that I could watch yeah. the interview, and then I unsubscribed right after the interview was over. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, Adam talked about. Uh, 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 Stephen asked him. Oh, also there, uh, there are a couple Raylos that I follow on Twitter who actually went to the thing, and uh, hmm. yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, yeah, he uh, Colbert asked him if he preferred French food or Italian food because he shot in France for Last Stool, he shot in Italy for uh, um, uh, House of Gucci. Apparently, Italian food is the answer to that question. I mean, duh. I've never it- been to either country. So. Oh, I've been to both of them. Oh. Italian food, hands down, okay. because it has pasta and like you can't go wrong with pasta. That's like true. it's just. 
but French food is like bread and cheese. Well, I do love a bread, a bread and a cheese. I love bread and cheese too, but like pasta. Okay. Like, All right. Well, on. Adam agrees with you. <laughs> um, uh, and I think, I, I think I'm sure more things happen. Actually, I know today after I got up for my nap right before this, an interview got released of Adam talking about Burberry the Burberry ad and what that was like and swimming in the water with horses. And I won't get into that too deeply other than to say that he, it sounded terrifying <laughs> to me. It sounded swimming in the water with horses. Terrifying. Well, no, he didn't sound terrified. I felt terrified listening to him talk about it where he was like, okay, so, you know, I had to, the sw- horse had to swim past me and I had to grab its mane and get on its back and come out of the water. And I was like, what? And he's like, I mean, it wasn't <laughs> a big deal or anything. You just, the horse looks at you with these wide eyes and he's chomping in the air and you just have to avoid getting your hand bit. And I was like, what? 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 That sounds like my fucking nightmare. Avoid getting your hand bit. Just um, grab the mane. Just grab the mane and don't grab his mouth because he'll bite your fucking hand off. <laughs> Uh, what a That's crazy funny. life this man leads. <laughs> anyway, uh, God, uh, that so that's it that's what I that's all I got for Adam and Andy news I know wow. it was a lot that's a lot a of lot news. of shit happened it was a very bountiful couple of weeks in November uh, <laughs> so shall we transition to talking about The Last Jedi are we ready for yes. that look yes, I, think I have I actually went through my notes. Sarah and I watched this movie, t- half of it together last night. Uh, we made the mistake of watching with my children. So we could only watch about four minutes at a time before we were interrupted. So it, so we had to watch the rest of it alone. Um, but I, I I wrote several pages, many pages of notes, but I condensed them down. And now I'm only looking at two pages of bullet points. I, I think you would be proud of me. I'm very um, proud of you. Uh, <laughs> so, all right, The Last Jedi. You and I saw this movie together in the theater. You did. It was not my first time because I went and saw it with Christopher. I think I saw this movie probably four or five times in the theater. Did we? Uh, which ones did we see together in the the, the theater? Was it just? I this think we one saw. Ev- didn't we see everything? We saw all of them. I feel. I feel like we did. I mean, uh, okay. I know that I always see the Star Wars movies multiple times, but I know I remember yeah. this one specifically because this was my son Lucas's first Lucas's movie, first time, yeah, in a movie theater. And this was. I mean, he still loves yeah. Star Wars, but this was like at the height of his obsession r2d2 yeah r2d2 uh r2d2 was his best friend he like had an r2d2 figurine that he slept with at night um mm-hmm. he was and, and c3po he would he would hold them both in his hands and, and sleep this with is them. when he was introduced to bb8 bb8 no he wasn't he was introduced to bb8 in the force awakens oh the first one the first so one he's, yeah, he yeah, had yeah. seen the force awakens but this was the first time he saw a movie in the movie theater it was a little long for him. I remember he had to sit in my lap halfway through because he was getting a little restless, uh, but he did enjoy the movie. Um, so yeah, you and I saw this together. Um, I guess before we get into it, like, what were your impressions of this movie after seeing it? If you can remember back to then, uh, what did you think about it? I remember it? thinking that the relationship between Kylo and Rey was very interesting, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I really liked the way they were playing that mm-hmm. and the way it was being told. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember I was dying to know what the deal was with Rey's parents, yeah. and I wasn't sass- like satisfied that. at the end. Mm-hmm. I was like, we're going to find out in the third movie the real deal. Okay, um, and we'll t- and I guess we'll talk about that. Yeah. How you felt about whether that was satisfying when we get to the rise of Skywalker? Yeah. Uh, cool. Um, so here's what I'll say about the Last Jedi. I 
I always I I like I really I liked the movie. I remember coming out of it. Before I say anything, I just want to let everybody know that the Last Jedi now is one of my favorite Star Wars movies. Like this and Empire Strikes Back are my favorites. I I can't pick which one I like more. Uh of all the Star Wars things I've ever seen. Uh shows, TV, all of it. Uh The Last Jedi and Empire Strikes Back I feel like are the perfect Star Wars stories for me and the execution and the characters and what they're going through and just like some of the visuals like I think The Last Jedi has some of the most dazzling visual storytelling I've seen in any Star Wars movie Um, when I walked out of the theaters after seeing it for the first time I remember thinking huh Uh, I was like that's not what I expected and it wasn't that I didn't like it but it was like I had to think about it for a little while. Um, it didn't hand me everything easily, I think, the way that The Force Awakens did. I feel like The Force Awakens was like uh, pushed a lot of I'm not and I, and The Force Awakens was fantastic as well, but it did push a lot of nostalgia buttons, you know, that were like, here's let me give you something you like, but also give you some new things. And uh, and I I, I deeply love that movie. Um, but The Last Jedi did a lot of. I think when Luke Skywalker says to Ray, this is not going to go the way you think. I feel like that's this movie is like, this is not going to go the way you think. And I was really surprised by how a lot of things went and where characters ended up. And when I first walked out, I was like, wow, that's like, this is different. And it was a little hard for me at first to parse out how I felt about that. And I now feel uh, that this movie holds up for me so well because it, it 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 took the things that I liked and gave me something new and gave me things that I didn't expect and gave all the characters some really interesting directions that made a lot of sense in terms of where they started in The Force Awakens and was a good progression for them. Um, and so that's kind of where I was at the time. Um, and But now, years later, it is... It is uh, I can't say it's my favorite Star Wars movie because The Empire Strikes Back has such deep, I have such a deep love for that movie because uh, it's like the movie of my childhood that I loved so much. But I also think that The Last Jedi and Empire have a lot of, share a lot of similarities uh, without The Last Jedi being a repeat of The Empire Strikes Back in any way. But I think that they have a lot of parallels, um, which I'll be happy to talk about. But anyway, so, um, Going into talking about the movie, I actually I wanted to start with some tw- a Twitter thread that I had read um, oh, okay. about the female gaze. Uh, I mm. sent this to you a, like a was lo- it a wee a long time ago? It was a long time yeah. ago. Um, and but I feel like it's something I want to kind of get us in the headspace of because this movie is really unique in that way, and having somebody explain it. Um, and I've read about the male gaze. I mean, I'm sure we all have about the male gaze and women and how they're reflected in film. And you and I have talked about this a lot in our other podcast, The Feminine Mistake. And I feel like one of the things that set me off center about this film is that I'm just not as accustomed to seeing stories from the female gaze. And I I know that this is not a movie made by a woman, but but it definitely seems to like this it seems the like the filmmaker ryan johnson really like i don't know how intentional this was but it is very much 
the female gaze. And I, I, I'd love to talk about why you think he would have chosen that. We all know that films are not a mistake, like everything you do in a film mm-hmm. is on purpose. So yeah. anyway, I just wanted to start by reading this and then maybe we can reflect on it. Um, so this is not my original thoughts. This is something I read on Twitter. Um, and I think it looks like back in February um, uh, or some time ago. Anyway, the the Twitter user is uh, Fee at Fee underscore Kenobi. And uh, she's talking, I, I kind of scrolled down a bit, but what she's saying is that the last Jedi is an example of the female gaze and why maybe some people didn't find the movie appealing because it, it it felt unfamiliar for that reason. Anyway. So she says essentially the female gaze focuses on what women actually find attractive and the physical features they focus on. Whereas the male gaze focuses on what men think men think women find attractive, which I think is a really important distinction. Yeah. Um, And again, when we say men and women, uh, at least I think when we say the male gaze, we're talking about cis, you know, men. That's what we're talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Um, so one of the examples of the male gaze is the classic muscle tank mirror selfie, which this is hilarious to me. If you know a man who works out often and who has a dating app, odds are good that he has a similar picture posted. That's because he believes that his muscles and physique are what attract women. Um, and I, I remember, I'm, I remember you telling me back in the day when you were on these dating apps, like all these absurd (laughs) photos, have a gym selfie. Yeah. Gotta have that gym selfie. Um, and it's not that I don't appreciate muscles, but it's like, I do realize, yeah, I do now realize that the way that they're foisted upon me often is not the thing that really attracts me to a person first. Like I yeah. I'm attracted to somebody for something else. And then the muscles also and then you're become, like, they also have nice. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's like a nice little, uh, it's like icing on the cake. If you know what I'm saying. Anyway, the, cur- so she says the current, uh, theory surrounding the female gaze, however, suggests that women focus more on expressive features such as eyes, hands, and lips. Through those mm-hmm. features and their expressions, women can find more nuanced and satisfying attraction. And I think, um, without getting too deeply into the film yet, I feel like once I read that, I was like, of course. I mean, this movie is all eyes and hands and lips. At mm-hmm. least uh, between, you know, uh, Ben Kylo Solo and, and, and Kylo Ren, Ren and, and, and Ray. Like, there, a lot of those scenes are very, lots of close-ups. And I, mm-hmm. I was really... Uh, I really noticed that a lot this time when I watched it, just how mm-hmm. many close-ups, especially in the scene at the beginning with Snoke and Kylo Ren and where he's ta- like, he's, we're ta- he's taking the mask off and you see like the scar that Ray's given him. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, it's such tight shots of this anguish lots on of his shots face. Of his face. I mean, yeah. So the, many. They noticed lots of shots of everyone's face. Like just uh, lots of, mm-hmm. uh, Mm-hmm. I feel like there are in most action films, or at least films like this, mm-hmm. there's more full ba ba yes, body and um and like action kind of shots and mm-hmm. lo- fewer of the um, emotional. Mm-hmm. Kind of like shots these are than- the kind of shots you would see in a drama, like a, a tense drama where you're everybody's yeah. you're tight on people's faces and micro expressions, but here in a what you would consider to be an adventure film or, or, uh, or whatever action. And film, yet if you want there to call still that. are some very sweet action shots. Of oh like, yeah. Like wide kind of. Yes. Like actiony. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so to continue, um, uh, okay. So she says, 
Which leads me to our darling Raylo. It's no secret. It's not a secret that TLJ, uh, the last Jedi, uses hands in a beautifully symbolic way. And we'll talk about that scene. Uh, the hands touch scene, of course, features both hands bare, which is when we see the their connection begins to grow. In the elevator scene, Ray seeks eye contact to break through. And I'm looking forward to talking about, about that scene as well. The throne room scene includes close-up shots of both hands as they engage in the fight and call their weapons. And finally, when Kylo asks Ray to join him, we see her glance desperately down at his hand now covered, and begins to cry. In my experience, a majority of people who intrinsically view Raylo as a romantic pair are women, uh, which has been my experience as well. Although there are men also, uh, they're just uh, um, not as many, uh, at least in my experience. The concept of the female gaze supports the idea that women, due to uh, Ryan Johnson's deeper understanding of this concept and how it plays in the film, got to see what other fans may not. The things that many female that many male fans would look for to indicate a romantic pairing were not blatantly displayed to them because they were given in a female gaze perspective that has very little pre uh, presence in popular media, media and no prior presence in Star Wars. Which interesting, I, yeah. I feel like the and I want to talk about myself and this in a moment because I feel like I too was not at first clued into what was going on here because I am also not used to seeing the female gaze presented in films. Uh, however, the touches, the reaching hands, the intense glances, twitching lips, and yeah, twitching lips. I mean, that really describes, I feel like a lot of these close-ups of Adam Driver's face, like the mm -hmm. the anguished, anguished twitch of the lips, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, the searching stares were all building obvious intimacy to female viewers, even if they were not as easily or readily interpret interpreted by their male counterparts. Uh, those vulnerable features in Kylo re resonated much more strongly with female audience members as well, presumably because women are more attuned to the expression they hold. Anyway, that's the that's a part of the thread. That's not the whole thing. Yeah, I have to say, when I first saw it, I I definitely got that. I definitely got that. Oh, they're they're mm -hmm. intimate. They're um, there's a romantic element mm -hmm. to this, even though it wasn't explicitly stay stated or obvious. Yeah. I definitely subconsciously got that that message. Um, I did not, uh, and I I think it's for a couple of reasons. Like I was attracted to him, obviously mm -hmm. because for one, I went into the movie being attracted to this actor, but also I found myself really attracted to the character and empathizing with him and like really feeling uh I felt the intimacy like the intimacy was obvious and the intimacy between them was obvious but I think that number one because I am so accustomed to what the male gaze says romance looks like being sort of thrust upon me uh I think that it was I was slower to pick up on it uh but also because I think that often female characters are given a choice between being being falling in love or being a hero. You don't get to have both. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that is really common in all of the films that we've kind of grown up with. And so mm -hmm. for me to reconcile the fact that a character could be a hero and also fall in love, I think was mm -hmm. something I just was not accustomed to. And yeah. so I didn't see it right away. The first I couple of times say, I watched this. I will say, I will like, uh, you know, put a a a, ca a caveat on mm -hmm. what my initial reaction. It's that um, that's what I thought it was. That's what I was mm -hmm. like. This is what I want it to be. This I want is it to what be. it should be. Yeah. But I didn't believe mm -hmm. that the the writer or director 
mm-hmm. was in on it mm-hmm. that they intended mm-hmm. for that to be mm-hmm. the case because it was so sus subtle like it seems subtle at the time but now when i look at it i'm like this movie is this is like one of the horniest movies i've ever seen like it is the pining the longing it's like you know it's so obvious to me now it's so obvious in their expressions and their gestures and stuff Mm -hmm. but the words that they say Mm -hmm. it is not obvious and i think that it kind of points at that we're so connect we're so tied to the words mm-hmm. and we're so much more willing to believe words than we are like f- expressions and gestures and stuff even like, though people often don't say what they're feeling and yeah. in this circumstance where we have two people that are enemies on opposite sides mm-hmm. of the, a war of course they wouldn't say what they're really feeling but also i think in this particular universe star wars subtlety like that has not really been mm-hmm. explored like in mm-hmm. pre previous films like it's, it's always true. like you get what you get like it's yeah right there i love you, know? you i know yeah yeah and so this <laughs> which is, is a great definitely... scene also that's a great scene also. yeah uh yeah. but yeah you're right it's the the subtlety i don't think i don't think the i don't think star wars fans as a collective were ready for the subtlety and the artistry of this movie they just weren't ready mm-hmm. for it yeah maybe and and i hope that i know i see the cycles of fandom of star wars fandom where the star wars fandom rejects a thing and rejects it and rejects it except for a small group of really uh, and 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 the Raylos are not a small group i mean they actually are not a small group uh i don't know if disney is listening but the people that like the sequel trilogy are actually quite a large vocal group but the really vocal i think um group of people that consider themselves to be the uh i guess the big straight male uh i just i like my luke's uh skywalker original and my original trilogy and i don't like the prequels and i don't like the sequel trilogy those folks uh i think uh who've been very vocal and resistant to this story i don't think they were ready for this Mm-mm. um and i think they're i think what they want in star wars is valuable and I, now there's a whole discussion that i don't want to have right now about the toxic parts of the fandom and how there's actually a lot of alt-right people in the fandom who've co-opted star wars as this emblem of their oh, no. ideology which i don't know if they've ever seen a star wars movie but that is not uh that is not the values of the of the good people of the heroes in this universe but anyway oh so i'm sorry just because mm-hmm. i know nothing about this they've co-opted the resistance or the they feel like they're the resistance oh or they're the rebels i should say because i don't think many of them uh like the sequel trilogy at all um Hmm. and anyway i don't want to get into all that but so i'm not talking about them i am talking about people uh uh, maybe people that were young boys when star wars came out and they have a certain idea of what star wars is and they were not satisfied with the prequel trilogy and they were not satisfied with the sequel trilogy and they want what they want and i i feel like there there are shows that can be or stories that can be told to satisfy them and that's fine but it's when people uh want something and they don't get it and then they shit on the thing that other people like but also i think that nothing could could satisfy them like they they have the nostalgia for the original trilogy Mm -hmm. and there's literally not not nothing that could um satiate that and a story can't live in nostalgia it has to move forward Mm -hmm. and what's special about this story is that it moves the story forward i feel like um 
anyway, uh, to get to circle back to my sort of ignorance as to the romance, I saw the the intimacy of the connection, but I was really focused on more of like a f- a bond that was more based in understanding and loneliness and connection and perhaps like even uh, hearkening back to what he says in The Force Awakens when he says you need a teacher and I was like oh is he wanting to take her on as an apprentice and I didn't see it as much of a, a romance until The Rise of Skywalker and mm-hmm. we're not going to talk about The Rise of Skywalker today we will talk about it eventually but when but when they kissed in The Rise of Skywalker I was like oh and it's like a whole was that light- a surprise for you the kiss was a surprise it, a whole yes a whole series of fireworks went off in my brain and suddenly everything made sense and then mm-hmm. and 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 that movie made me a Raylo. and so for mm. a lot of people i know that movie is very upsetting and i and we can talk about that when we talk about that movie but for but it led me to the place where i where i am today where this uh, uh these characters and their relationship has obviously overtaken my life um so i was <laughs> i was i would say that i was a ray i mean i'm not I'm not a fangirl of any type of thing, but I would say you don't that obsess I'm, over things in the way that I do. Yes. You're oh, not reading. I'm, you don't have like 80 open tabs of fanfic on your phone like I do. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, no, but that's totally okay for yeah. you to to have that. Like that's yeah. not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just personally don't have that, but I would consider myself. I I dug their relationship. Yes, from the first film, from the Force Awakens, when they, they had that fight. Yes, they they really I really dialed into them right away. I just I think I didn't my conscious brain didn't recognize the romance element until yeah. they kissed. Which again is like I'm used to having stuff made very obvious to me because that's mm-hmm. the only romance way romance is presented in most but of also, our stories. If you think about it, it's so like goes back to the well-known trope it, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like a trope when it's done but yeah if you th- 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 think about it it's the trope of two enemies who yes. fall, fall in love enemies to lovers which is a yeah. classic romance and a classic fanfic trope and what makes this story interesting and i i, I hope if, if everyone is now taking pity on me for my ignorance that you, that knowing that i now can see this uh, and I can see it reflected in other media, I now am able to pick up on this stuff a lot sooner. So for example, when mm. I was watching the Loki show, which I know you've mm. also watched, yeah. uh, I was the only one in the in the room for the first couple episodes who recognized that I was like, oh, this is, they're going to kiss. This is a romance. And, and everybody else in the room was like, are you fucking serious? They're the same person. And I was like, no, no, they're not the same person. First oh, of all, I, but also I saw that too, yeah. right? I, and I was I like, totally saw that, yeah. yes, I was like, what? Of course, who would Loki fall in love with? But another version of himself—that mm-hmm. is the only person he could fall in love with, truly. Well, and it, it, yeah, it 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 wasn't even the the lo- mm-hmm. the logic of that. It was mm-hmm. just all this subconscious, the subconscious like, between them, the subtext, like- the sh- the the imagery. I knew it before anybody else did. They all eventually got on board, but I was like, oh no. This show is going to end with them kissing, I promise you. And I have Raylo to thank for that because otherwise yeah. I would not have picked up on that subtlety, I don't think. Um, anyway. I think of it more as my, like, what I want. Like, it's like, and I'm I want not it too aware now. of the yes. subconscious stuff going on, but my subconscious is like, this is what you want. Like, yes. You know? 
I, I'm shipping all kinds of people now. I always now. want love. Yes. And you know, because you've known me for a long time, romance and romance stories were never that appealing to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have Ryan Johnson and Raylo to thank for my newfound interest in romance and romantic stories. And I have to say mm-hmm. that it has enriched my life uh, tremendously. Yeah. I'm so glad because like that is something like I- I've always loved. And and I know that you are very capable of love and being in love and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of was like, I want Nicole to experience the joy of a rom-com. And I think what I didn't, uh, what it didn't appeal to me about it before was that it didn't feel like a story that was for me. Even when mm. it was a romance story, it felt yeah. like, again, I want to heart- go back to the idea that there's the gay- the female gaze and what women find romantic and appealing and then there's the the idea that of the male gaze that is showing you what you think is appealing and I want Mm -hmm. we're not going to talk I don't want to talk about this movie in depth but I remember I was thinking a lot about this uh at the time when we were doing uh what's that fucking movie with the stripper male strippers that Channing Tatum's Uh, in Magic Mike we were doing Magic Mike on our other show the Feminine Mistake Mm -hmm. podcast earlier this year probably around the time that this tweet came these tweets came out and mm-hmm. I was like, yes, that the the magic mic is the male gaze to me, telling mm-hmm. me what I think is attractive. Yeah, it but totally this is. movie is so much hotter than yes. that movie to me. Yes, that you're so right that 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 is like, even though they're supposed to be these straight mm-hmm. men strippers mm-hmm. who are supposed to be attractive to w- women, and they're portrayed as like they're stripping for yes. women. Yeah. It still was like, this is what a man thinks is that women think attractive. is attractive. Yeah, all yeah. the shots, the way it was composed, the whole thing. Uh, this feels so like steamy to me. This whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so I want to get into some of the finer points of the movie. First of all, I want to say, I guess I just want to go with some things that I really love about this movie, and we've talked about Raylor a lot. So I'm going to go over to some of the other characters for a second. Uh, I also wanted to talk about the storyline between Poe Dameron and Admiral Holdo, uh, who I love. I absolutely love Laura Dern. I love Admiral Holdo. Um, I, 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 again, a story that I very much identify with, a woman in charge and the hotshot who wants to be in charge underneath her cannot deal with it. Mm-hmm. And... I know that I feel like that's something I never see in a movie, really. I mean, maybe you see it a little bit more now recently, but it's something that I hadn't really seen a lot portrayed in media before, but something that my whole life, like my whole life, I've been trying to get men to fucking listen to me uh, at a table. And uh, and that's what this whole thing is about. Poe Dameron makes a critical error that costs the lives of um, almost everyone in that in several times in the beginning with the bombers you know he Leia tells him not to uh continue with the mission it was just a distraction let's get get out of here he doesn't listen then later a bunch of people die uh trying uh at, you know Holdo has this great plan of kind of sneaking off the ship and waiting for the first order to pass she knows that there's too many of them for them to fight back she knows that and yet, because Poe, she won't divulge all of her plans to Poe because it's none of his fucking business. Uh, he uh, and he sets a plan in motion that he thinks is the right thing to do, but really it costs a bunch of people their lives. Yeah. So I, can I talk talk about my perception of that? Absolutely. So, yes. 
Please that's do. what we're here for, right? Mm-hmm. So um, the first few times I saw this movie, I was stuck mm-hmm. in the mindset of, so we saw the first movie and mm-hmm. we're like pro-po. Oh, yes. Po is great. And I'm still pro-po when this movie is over. Let me let me be honest about that. Yeah. But. So I was still in the mindset of I'm on Poe's side. Mm-hmm. And so no matter what he did, mm-hmm. it was like, there's a justification or he's just mm-hmm. trying, he's just passionate and mm-hmm. he's just, you know, trying to do what he thinks is right. And mm-hmm. I viewed her as like the opposition, mm-hmm. the enemy, mm-hmm. the shrill the antagonist. kind of, which yeah. I think is what you're supposed to do. I think that's exactly yeah. what they, I think that's what Ryan w- Johnson wants you to think. But if you really think about it, it's like she had the right perspective, mm-hmm. but like, it really did point out that we are still in the society stuck mm-hmm. in this mindset of listen to the man, not the woman, listen to the man, not the woman. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And um, I feel like that it, moment yeah. when he's like, wh- where he's trying to, ex- where he like first starts talking to her about their situation. And he's like, we're running out of fuel. And she's like, thank you for making me aware. Like that yeah. moment is so perfect. And the way that she, he's like, I just want to know what's going on. And she's like, of course you do. And I'm like, <laughs> to have the, like, you don't get to the position that, ad, you don't get to Admiral without that, like having that level of, uh, you know, so assuredness about yourself. Mm-hmm. Like how many times yeah. has she been questioned by, mm-hmm. you know, arrogant pilots or other yeah. people who don't trust her, even though she has more experience and strategy than any of them Mm -hmm. you know yeah and at first I was also distracted by the purple hair and Mm -hmm. the the outfit she's so soft and feminine Um, yeah so yeah I was just like that at first was like ah why why do they have her be Mm -hmm. like feminine like she should be like if she's gonna be a boss she She should be like like in khakis and structured suits I know, but why was I thinking this? Exactly. You know, like, it totally reverses your expectations because it's not about the outer shell. It's about the inner shell of strength. And Holdo shows us how strong she really is by doing something that none of that people have talked about for years about what would happen in Star Wars. What would happen if you went into hyperspace and an object was in front of you? It would blow mm-hmm. everything apart. And mm-hmm. for her to sacrifice herself in such a... Uh, like a a brutal way I mean she is Mm -hmm. like she may get injured she may die on that ship she may die it may take hours for her to die we don't know uh it's not the same as dying in a ship that blows up you know uh she who knows what happened to her like Mm -hmm. for her to do that uh so that everyone else can get away like that is strength you know for her to Mm -hmm. not give in to this thing that we women give into which is to try to appease everyone but also she sacrifices herself, which is an, an, yes. an another thing that, that women tend That's to do. That's true. That's true. But a lot of thing that a thing that heroes do in Star Wars. So That's I'll give true. it a pass. Because Obi-Wan yeah. Kenobi does that as well. And mm-hmm. and many other characters sacrifice yeah. themselves uh in this in this story. Um anyway, I just wanted to talk about that. But I do and I do think at the end of the movie, I'm still on Poe's side because he learns. He learns. Yes. And I think that again, Ryan Johnson did an excellent job of giving every character something important to move them forward. Mm-hmm. So for Poe, it's taking him from that pot- hotshot pilot in The Force Awakens. And I just watched that movie last night uh, again. Uh, so I watched The Last Jedi and The Force Awakens recently. And Poe is this wide-eyed, hotshot, 
you know, a pilot and uh and then in this movie he's try he's maturing into a leader. He's mm-hmm. we're on the path to making him a leader because ultimately in order to transition away from the original trilogy characters, the sequel trilogy characters have to take on these positions of leadership and this was a great story for him. Um, you know, uh and again, Leia's line, you know, get your head out of your cockpit. Not everything can be solved by getting into a plane and blowing something up or a ship and getting mm-hmm. blowing something up. That's amazing. It boils his character down to its very essence, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, not to get too deeply into the ancillary media beyond this, but I've also read the book Resistance Reborn, which comes in between this and Rise of Skywalker. And that book is all about Poe dealing with the guilt of his actions from this oh. movie and how there are people in the resistance who don't trust him and don't want to listen to him because they were under Admiral Holdo's, uh, you, you know, they were her team. Uh, they were the people that were under her command. And they blame him for her death. Mm. And so there's all this all this great character work in that book uh, on Poe's behalf of him trying to learn that he can't, like, Leia is ill, she's dying, she's not going to last much longer, and eventually someone's going to have to be the leader, and he's just not sure if he's ready to do it. And I think that's a really beautiful, I wish, I would like to have seen them explore that more in the rise of Skywalker. I feel like they did, a, they scratched the surface of it, but I, I feel like I really wanted to see, I would have liked to have seen that more. Uh, that was a really good, solid story for him. Anyway. Cool. Uh, I also want to talk about uh, Finn for a second. Um, because at first glance, I I was annoyed when I first saw this movie, I was like, oh, they took Finn away from Ray. He went on his own adventure. They weren't even together. Like I wanted to see more of them together. And also I was like, Finn's, I was, I was mad. I was kind of pissed off, not pissed off is the wrong word. I was like, oh, but what Finn did didn't even matter because it didn't, he didn't complete his mission. Like it wasn't successful, but I didn't, Mm. but now I see, I see this for what it is, which is, it's not about whether Finn completes a mission or not. It's about Finn making a choice to join the resistance. And that's what his whole storyline is about, which is frankly, I think pretty great considering that as a child, he was stolen, made a soldier, never given a choice whether to join or not. And then he jumps right out of that into another place where he's being forced to join something. But really he's just there because his only friend in the world is, is in trouble and he, and she needs him, you know? And so that story is really fascinating. So for him to go off on his own adventure, bond with someone else uh, other than Ray, and have to make a choice what he's going to fight for, I think is really fantastic. So I just wanted to talk about Finn for a second. I don't know if you had any thoughts about Finn or his journey. I know you and I, when we were watching it, you were like, Canto Bite isn't my favorite part. And I want to talk about why I actually really love it now. Uh, but but uh, go ahead. If you've got something yeah, you want to say I about Finn. Yeah, I think the first time I saw the movie, the can what is it called again? Canto? Canto Bite is the the Canto sort Bite. of gambling planet that we go to. Yeah. The fancy planet. Gambling planet. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I just, I guess there wasn't enough substance there for mm-hmm. me to get mm-hmm. why they needed to. I, I guess the filmmaker in me was like, oh my gosh, that's so expensive to mm-hmm. like costume mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. makeup and like. Mm-hmm the CGI and the set and like, Mm -hmm. Oh, that just looks like so expensive for like not much substance. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know why I was th- 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 thinking in those you know, terms. But. I don't blame you. I did feel it was a bit frivolous the first couple times I saw this movie. And I know there are people out there right now listening who are screaming who love Canto Bite. And just hang on a second. I'm going to get to it. Uh, but I think ultimately what I realized is that the Canto Bite sequence felt a lot more like it belonged in this prequel trilogy to me then it belonged in my nostalgic place, which is the original trilogy. And mm-hmm. I want to, and I think we talked about this on The Force Awakens, and maybe we didn't. I should have listened to that podcast to see what we actually talked about. So if I'm treading new gr- uh, old ground again, listeners, forgive me. But when I, uh, so I grew up, I've been a Star Wars fan my whole life. I grew up with the original trilogy. And so that's where my entry point is for this fandom. Uh, when the sequel t- prequel trilogy came out, I was like, ooh, this is not what I expected. And I didn't I didn't really like it. Uh, there were parts of it I liked. Uh, I did really like, uh, I did like Revenge of the Sith a lot. Um, but it wasn't at the time something I liked. And there was this, all this negativity around it that I think uh, fed my uh, dissatisfaction for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that said, I have now come to the point in my life where I can look at all of the stories as a whole and I see its place in the story and how it fits and that it was just, you know, again, it was giving me something that wasn't my nostalgia. It was like a different story. And there, I do think there are flaws with it. Uh, I, I don't want to get into it too deeply, but I think George Lucas was really pushing the technology of CGI and virtual sets. And we maybe also, weren't we there yet. Direct actors. Um, yeah, there's a bit of that, but uh, honestly, I can even get into that. I feel like we, like our characterization often of Hay- of Hayden Christensen's performance as like a petulant, whiny, like, I mean, he is a child, basically. He's a teenager yeah. who's been given, like he's had the, 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 the weight of the chosen one thrust upon him. And to, to know that he later becomes Darth Vader... Like, yeah, somebody who becomes Darth Vader, maybe they are a little obsessive. Maybe they are immature. Maybe they are a bit of a creep. <laughs> oh, well, no, I'm so, not talking about mm-hmm. um, the characters. Yeah. I'm just talking about the acting itself was, I th- it just, those actors are good. I've yeah. seen them in other things, yeah. but it just felt like George Lucas maybe didn't know how to direct, how to direct them. them. I, I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair um criticism uh, I do think when I look at it now I can see what George Lucas was trying to do I think he was trying to make a kids movie they're mostly kids movies except for Revenge of the Sith which is maybe I like it a little bit more because it's darker uh, it's very dark compared to the other two but I think he was if you watch them from the beginning and you see it go from it's almost like when you watch the Harry Potter movies like the her like if you watch uh, uh Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets, those movies are more frivolous and silly. Mm-hmm. And then as you get into deeper into the story, it gets darker and more adult. And, and that's how the books are too. And, yeah, and that's how the books are. And that's I think if you watch the Star Wars sort of Skywalker saga, if you want to call it that, I don't I don't know if I really even like that term. But if you want to watch the the main storyline movies from beginning to end, that is exactly what happens. It starts out a little more silly, a little more lighthearted. It gets darker as we go on. Um, and so, and more adult as we go on. And so when I look at it from that perspective, I actually really, there are a lot of things I really love about the prequel trilogy. And I also see how people that are in generations under mine, who that was their movie that they grew up with, like they deeply revere and love the prequel trilogy. And so this movie 
honestly, The Last Jedi, I feel like, is the only movie to circle back to this movie. This is the only movie I feel like in the Skywalker saga, again, if you want to give it that name, which I don't know that I do, but I don't know what else to call it. Um, It's the only movie that bridges the gap between the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy. It's the only movie that mentions Darth Sidious. And I feel like Canto Bite tonally feels more like something from the prequel trilogy and why shouldn't we have something fun and frivolous this is a world where there's endless amounts of aliens and crazy costumes and cool locations and so often we're in this like dark you know drab like resistance jedi garb and we're missing the fun you know uh like uh, prequel the prequel trilogy had all these cityscapes and all these like mm-hmm. urban areas and all these bright lights and crowded places and big extravagant costumes and more star wars should have that i feel like um and so to me canto bite now represents that spirit and i'd like to see more of those kinds of worlds in star wars Anyway, I don't know if you want to respond to that, but that's kind of where I am with Canto Bite, even though I initially was like, I don't understand why, like, I want to get back to Rey and and, Ky- and Kylo. Like, I don't know what this is all about. But uh, now I really, really appreciate it for its uh, tone and aesthetics. And as I said, its impact on Finn, the character. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally get that. Um, that makes a lot of sense. I do agree that costumes are fun. Um, let's see. Yeah, I guess what I was thinking when you were talking is I would love to see J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson remake the prequels. <laughs> like, I don't know how that would be. Like, remake them in a way that's more truthful, truthful acting and more... I, and I get lit, that. Lit, lit better, made more cinematic. Um, I think that like, George Lucas really was working was in the this, story. Yeah, Lucas, George Lucas, I think he was going for this more, and I've heard him talk about this, like, that he considers those movies to be more like... Uh, uh, adventure serial of the week and maybe grounded acting wasn't his main focus. Uh, now, no matter what he did, Ewan McGregor is still giving a fucking grounded performance because that guy is great. Yeah, he's um, like, I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna do my I'm thing. I'm gonna do my thing. Yeah. Uh, and I, what, what I wanted to say about the technology in the prequels, and I know we're not talk, supposed to be talking about the prequels, that's not what this episode is about, but I can't help but not. Uh, I think George Lucas, I want to ta- say very clearly that he was pushing the boundaries of technology in those movies that now allow us to have movies like The Last Jedi or mm-hmm. all of the Marvel films or any mm-hmm. or or even if you want to think about it the volume which is uh, you know what I'm talking about that 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 big set that virtual set that they shoot all the Mandalorian and uh anyway we could talk about that but all of that technology is is there because of the technology that George Lucas was and his team were pioneering in the prequels like he went like let's do as much CG as possible now I think we do like a mix of practical and CG and that seems to work really well um but in service of that I think some of the other things like cinematic storytelling and maybe even some of the performance was uh or his ability to attend to the actors I should say was lacking the dialogue I think the dialogue could have could have been better yeah yeah uh but also I think if you look at like I I know we again I know we all revere the original trilogy because that's what we grew up with but there's a lot of like hacky cheesy moments in that too so like they both anyway I just that is to say I understand now more about 
a little bit more about like how it's not black and white. Like people mm-hmm. love that. They want that story. They've also digested those characters through other things like the Clone Wars series, like cartoon. And there's uh, all our animated series, I should say. There's all kinds of stuff that really means something to them. And so those fans are part of the fandom as well and should have uh, something that speaks to them. And this is, I think, the one movie of the sequel trilogy that truly bridges those two worlds, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I do you want to talk about Ray? We haven't hardly talked about Ray at all. Yeah, we haven't talked about Ray. Um, what would do you have anything you'd like to start off with talking about Ray? Um, because I think earlier in the discussion, you had said that you know, one of the things that was hard for you about the original trilogy was that you didn't feel like you really had enough for, for first of all you didn't really have enough female characters to satisfy you in the original trilogy which now we have i think a lot of female characters in this film uh holdo leia rose tico who yeah. we haven't even talked about yet um uh and uh you know uh ray uh but also that you wanted like that hero character yeah i think she's uh i and it's like this is a story about uh, this trilogy is a story about her becoming a hero mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm. which is fine but i also kind of wanted a story with a woman who was already like a stat a established and a teacher maybe and well we get that a know. bit we get that a bit from leia but i don't think yeah. we ever really get it i maybe we would have gotten it more if uh carrie fisher hadn't passed away suddenly yeah uh, but yeah, yeah, I can see what you mean. Having a, a mentorship w- that was a real mentorship and not what we got, which was kind of like yeah. what they a few could... scenes here and there. Yeah, yeah, that would have been that would have been good. I do think Leia's scenes in this movie are the best of the sequel trilogy for her. Mm-hmm. Like, I think some mm-hmm. of her best work as Leia is in this movie, even mm-hmm. across the original trilogy as well. Mm. Yeah, um, but I do like Ray. I do like Ray mm-hmm. more as a character than Leia. I'm talking about the old Le- yeah. Leia, like from the, mm-hmm. the, the original. There's no tril- way I could compare both my babies, so I'm not going to. Yeah. But I I respect it. Um, so in terms of like what I would have wanted as a kid, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the heroic, the very strong-willed, mm-hmm. um, and also Daisy is just like charming as fuck she's charming she's sensitive she's sensitive she's, she's expressive expre- yeah she's very thoughtful yes. she's very caring mm-hmm. um she doesn't there's like not and i know this is weird to say but there's doesn't appear to be a lot of mal- maliciousness in her no. even though there technically probably is maliciousness in her since she is yeah. the you know we're not not going to go into that mm-hmm. but um and despite all the character has been through, like this is a character whose parents left her on a desert planet. Uh, she doesn't, she barely, re- she doesn't even remember their faces. She was left with this terrible, disgusting monster uh, on Carplut who, and she spent her whole life barely getting enough to eat. Like she should be jaded as fuck. And she's not. She is she's so open. Hopeful. She's loving. She's, uh, she sees the best in people. She is the only one at this point who's willing to see the good in Ben Solo mm-hmm. and uh, how the potential for his healing could resolve this conflict mm-hmm. that they're that they're all under. 
Or yeah. at least it could give them, you know, uh, uh, and I don't think, I don't want to say it like she's using him as a way to end the war. I think ultimately she sees a, another lonely person in him and that she yeah. wants him, she wants to give him that chance to break free of what is clearly a miserable existence for him. Because she wants that for herself. Yes. Yeah. She doesn't want someone to pit, pit pigeonhole her into mm-hmm. any specific. Mm-hmm. I mean, we haven't gotten there yet because, like, the third film is all about her exploring her past and her identity. Yeah. And- yes, and also the expectations that are on her. Yeah. Uh, but here we have Ray trying to figure out who she is and where she fits, mm-hmm. which again I think is a really great place for this character to be because in the first movie she discovers, oh, there's more to me than just being a scavenger. Like, there's a lot mm-hmm. more to me, and she gets wrapped up in this epic you know fight that really uh, she wasn't uh, much of a part of before and now suddenly you know she's got this big task and of course and I don't think I don't know that you really we talked about this when we watched the movie I don't know if you realize this but this movie literally is takes place concurrent with the events of the force awakens there's no Mm -hmm. time has passed at all really Mm -hmm. other than maybe a, a, a a a a day? I don't know. Ray literally leaves the Force Awakens handing Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. the lightsaber and that yeah. is where her story picks up in this movie. So mm-hmm. Kylo has just had his face slashed open. Finn is just waking up from, you know, his injury. The the resistance is just now escaping after almost being obliterated by Star Killer base. All of this mm-hmm. stuff is happening concurrently. So Ray is really trying to discover like who am I? I've lived my whole life on Jakku. What do I do now? Like, who am I and what am I doing here? And she mm-hmm. needs someone to support her. And she goes looking forward in Luke Skywalker and she doesn't get that. That's mm-hmm. not what she gets. Yeah. Um, and well, Luke she, has like PTSD from his yes. like mentorship. Yes. He is like, I no mentor, mentees for me, no thanks. Uh, and we'll talk about Luke in a second. But so there's that. But also she is I, the force bond. What a brilliant development and also something i think that fits really well with the force and is really fascinating to me mm-hmm. who um, do you think uh, came, came up with it that? was ryan it was ryan it was johnson ryan? Okay. ryan said he said that what what he looked at what happened and he looked at the force awakens and said to himself what is the most interesting thing about these characters what would be the hardest for them to overcome and to him he was like i want to see kylo and ray have to talk to each other like being forced to talk to each other mm-hmm. and to see each other as more than the idea that they have of each other. And so mm-hmm. for, for Kylo to see Ray as somebody who is for both of them, I think to see each other as more like each other than they expected. And for Ray to see past the uh, horrible thing, honestly, that Kylo has done in the first movie, which is to kill his own father for her to see past mm-hmm. that. Um, when all she's ever wanted was for parents to love her. Like mm-hmm. she thinks it's that simple. You have a dad. Your dad was around and 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 you and you killed him. What is wrong with you? Like, why would you mm-hmm. do that? And for him, it's like not that simple. Mm-hmm. And I and I want to talk for a second about the scene where she asks him, Why did you kill your father? Because it took me a really several tries to really understand what he was saying. Like at first I was like, I don't understand. Like he's, he's, she's like, I don't know. Why did you kill your father? Why? Cause he doesn't say, again, this movie is about subtlety. He doesn't say I killed my father because I felt, uh, because I, I felt like he didn't love me or I killed my father because I, I was told to kill my father. And it was the only way that I could progress in my dark sidedness or I killed my father because he had the last slice of pizza. He doesn't say any of that stuff, yeah. 
what he says is uh he turns it on her and says you're always looking for your parents and everyone you meet you're looking for them and everyone you meet and it's your weakness Mm -hmm. and to me that's saying i was looking for love from from my parents and everyone and if i kill the past then i'm free for them i won't be looking Mm -hmm. for them anymore because i'll be free so that doesn't work it Hello. doesn't work at all. Sorry. It does not work at all um, for him at all. And uh, and also, I think it's also about the legacy. Like Ben Solo is if nothing but a legacy to many people. He is his mother and his father. He's the whole Skywalker line. His name, Ben, isn't even his own name. Like that's the name of some legacy, you know, Jedi from the past who he never even met. And so he never gets to be his own person. He's always expected to be something. And so to, to, to sever himself from that, probably, especially, and we can, I really want to get into, because I know I, I told you I was going to talk about the rise of Kylo Ren a bit uh, in, when we talked about last, because we didn't talk about that when we talked about the Force Awakens, right? The rise of Kylo Ka- Ka- It's a Kylo comic Ren? book that explains okay. what happened the night the temple was destroyed. Mm, okay. Um, so I want to get into that, but, uh, to be manipulated by the dark side through Snoke as well, uh, to, to make you believe that if you sever those family ties, you'll be free. Um, anyway, uh, so I I don't know. Uh, I just think that, but, but the four, so to get back to the force bond, Ryan wanted them to have a conversation. And the only way for them to do that without killing each other was to create this idea of the force bond. Mm-hmm. It's a very inge- ingenious idea. Um, and I think that one of the things that works about the next movie is the idea that they're a dyad. And we'll talk about that when we get there. But I think that really is a fascinating idea of two halves of a whole um, that I would like. I hope that eventually they get back to exploring a little bit more deeply. Um, so should we talk a bit about the rise of Kylo Ren since we're talking sure. about uh that stuff so in this movie we're presented with the idea that the reason that ben turned to the dark side or turned at, he never became he never becomes a, a sith by the way he never mm-hmm. goes full sith because we know that when somebody does that they get the yellow eyes and whatnot so he yeah. never goes fully that way he's always in between um so the rise of kylo ren is a story about what happened the night that the temple it, is destroyed and what happens immediately after it also goes a little bit back in time to when ben was probably around 10 or 11 and is with luke on a mission so um in this film we get sort of a rashomon style storytelling where we have uh luke saying what happened where he's like i went to see my, my my nephew ben and i looked inside of his head and it was so dark in there that i almost decided to almost kill him (laughs) which is fucked up Mm-hmm. like he ch- turns his lightsaber on him when he's asleep mm-hmm. which i think is one of the things that really pissed off the original trilogy fans the idea that mm-hmm. luke skywalker would do such a thing uh but I, i'm gonna get into why that's so brilliant uh as well um so he says that happened and then ben collapses the roof on him and then uh murders some students and leaves which is not what happens at all and yet that's what he tells ray like he straight up lies about that um ben says 
his uncle tried to kill him and then he escaped left that is what he says but the real story is something a little bit more nuanced which is that luke was afraid that that there was darkness in him and for a moment he wanted to do something about it but then regretted it mm-hmm. but by then it was too late so mm-hmm. here's what happens in the well, comic Oh, yeah. You're about to tell me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so right after that happens, all of that is still the same. So Luke almost murders his nephew and and then the putt collapses. Okay. Does he kill anyone? Here's what happens. He, uh, he, as he's very, very upset. Also, I need to go back a little bit further. So in one of the issues, the second issue is about Ben when he's 10 years old and he's with Luke on a mission. Uh, we find out in that issue that Snoke has been talking to Ben since he was a kid. So Snoke has been in his head his almost basically his whole life, telling him things, asking him what Luke's doing, acting like a friend, almost like an imaginary friend that's there for you even when your family's Creepy. not. So he's Creepy. been grooming him. I think that's fair to say, the word grooming. Grooming him since he was a child, like twisting things about his parents and his uncle to him to sort of, you know, lead him into a a place where he feels like his family doesn't love him and that he's not lovable and that they only see him as a monster. And so, yeah, right. Uh, So by the time we get to the night of the temple, he's basically looking at uh, what's happened. And it's almost like, of course, this is what would happen. Of course, this is where this would lead, but he's very upset. And some, a storm begins to gather around the Jedi temple and, uh, and then a bolt of lightning from the sky strikes the temple, setting it on fire and burning it down. Now it's ambiguous as to whether, and we see Yoda use lightning in this film, which I think, which I think the third movie tries to indicate to us that the force lightning is only a dark sider power, but we mm-hmm. see Yoda use it in this movie. So that doesn't really track. Um, but I think one could, if you want to, if you go with the story, which is canon that Palpatine was behind everything. I mean, Palpatine could have used the lightning to destroy the temple, putting in the final piece in place where Ben or now Snoke? feels response. Snoke. Well, Snoke is working through Palpatine. And in fact, in the Rise of Kylo Ren, alive at that point. Yes, at the in the last Rise of Kylo Ren comic, he reaches out to Ben, but Ben doesn't really know who he's talking to. So Mm. Ben's had people in his head all his whole life talking to him and manipulating him, basically. Do do you know why they're so interested in him? I guess because of his parents. Oh, absolutely. Let me tell you why this is a brilliant plan. If you want to destroy this, like the the reason that Palpatine fails. Is because of the uh, is because of the bond between Luke, Leia, and Han, Han Solo. That is the reason. This group and their friends and their friendship and their be- love for each other uh, and their belief that they're doing the right thing is what brings Palpatine down, right? And ultimately, mm-hmm. the love of Anakin Skywalker for his son, Luke, is what brings Palpatine down. So, what better way to ruin that than to use their own child? to drive a wedge between all of them, which is exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. Ben Solo, you know, goes to Snoke. He goes on to the other side. And in that happening, Luke also does something that makes him feel like he can never be forgiven. So he leaves. This begins to drive a wedge between Han and Leia, who are now estranged as well. And so although the resistance continues, 
the major players in it are now separated and estranged. Also, the power that probably Ben would have had as a light side force user would have been, especially when you take Ben and Ray together, like if they had found Ray, which I honestly believe if Ben had not gone to Snoke, I think that they would have found each other anyway. Um, to have the two of them together against Palpatine, he he would have been toast. There's no way. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it's ambiguous in the comic whether Ben his emotion his his turbulent emotions caused the lightning but either way he didn't do it on purpose and he tries to run to the temple to save people but then the temple blows up and he gets thrown off um but then he decides to escape because now he feels like everyone's going to blame him which they do and uh and in the process of doing that he considers going back to his mother but then decides to go to snoke instead uh a couple of students chase him uh believing that he is the one who caused the temple fire. One of them is a good friend of his and is trying to encourage him to come back to the light. Uh, And then ultimately in battling with them, he ends up joining this group called the Knights of Ren and, and, and his, all of, all of the, all of the uh, Jedi that followed him are killed. So that's what happens in the rise of Kylo Ren comic. Uh, and then at the end of the Rise of Kylo Ren comic, as Ben is turning to the dark side, as have I t- have we talked about this before? How a no. lightsaber becomes red? Oh, oh, um, it's the 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 force part particles. Mm-hmm. What are they called again? Uh, it's no, it's not the midichlorians. It's um, it's called bleeding the kyber crystal. So the crystal, uh, the force user imbues the kyber crystal with all of their pain. And, uh, and, and, and then it, it causes the kyber crystal to turn red as though it's also in pain. And so that is what causes a lightsaber to become red. And that's what he does at the end. He pours all of his pain into the kyber crystal. Uh, oh no, sorry. Before that, I meant to go back before the moment that Ben sort of turns dark or whatever, where he is, he actually kills the leader of the Knights of Ren. That's how he becomes the leader of the Knights of Ren. The moment that he does that, they, you see a scene of Ray on Jakku as a little girl and she turns to Unkar Plett and says, did you feel that? I just felt it feels cold. So like they were connected even mm-hmm. that early. You know, what's great about star star Wars is that there are so many storytellers besides I know. Lucas. like yes. Lucas came mm-hmm. up with the idea, but mm-hmm. there are so many people mm-hmm. who have added to the mm-hmm. story and added these little mm-hmm. touches mm-hmm. that just make it so much more rich and yes. Absolutely. Um, so that's cool. I mean, what 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 other sto- stories are 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 li- li- like that? Like I a, guess Marvel. Every other. But are there? I mean, yeah, there are multiple storytellers. Different people are writing the comics. Different people are writing true. the movies. I think. Uh, I think that most people agree that it would be good for there to be some kind of. I think they're trying to do this with the High Republic, which is a, a story that takes place hundreds of years before the prequels where they're really trying to make a cohesive idea about the narrative arc for that time period. I think that's, Mm -hmm. that could have, I think that when they jumped into the sequel trilogy, they hadn't, didn't really have a clear plan for where it was going to go. And Mm -hmm. so you have things like story points being made in this film, but then kind of Mm -hmm. walked back in the film after it. And that's unfortunate because uh, we got a yes. And, and there was some, there was some not, there was some, yes, there were, there were some, uh, yes knowings uh, going on yeah. in the third movie mm-hmm. that I think really hurt the story but I hope that they'll go back and 
fix that. I don't know. I don't know how that'll work out. Yeah, I so I honestly forget why J.J. Abrams didn't do all three, or why Ryan Johnson didn't do all three, or like Ryan what Johnson the deal was, that? was offered the 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 ninth movie, but wanted more time to write the script and. The studio wanted it faster, so they went back to J.J. And J.J. didn't want to do the third movie, I think, because he's like, I really like he's starting like, stories. <laughs> he's like, I like starting stories. I don't love ending them. It's not my forte. Um, and I think that so that's what happened. They did have somebody else writing the third movie. They didn't like his version, Colin Trevorrow. Uh, I read bits and pieces of what that script was. It was much worse. <laughs> I'm so glad we didn't get that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't hate The Rise of Skywalker. We'll get to that. I don't hate it at all. I know a lot of people do. I don't. Uh, there's things that I wish about it that were different. Uh, but, uh, you know, we can get to that when we talk about The Rise of Skywalker. I also understand why people who deeply love these characters and had seen it going a different way do hate this, The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, I understand why I don't hate it, but I will get into that. Um. Oof. Uh, I want to talk really briefly about Luke because I think this is a point of contention for people from the original trilogy who love the original trilogy. Luke Skywalker's story in this film was very unexpected for me, but a huge gift, I think, to the character and to the actor. Mm -hmm. Because it would be easy to have Luke Skywalker be, you know, this kindly old hero. But that's not dramatically interesting. No. So to have Luke be a, sort of a washed up has-been who's made a terrible mistake and needs to redeem himself. shamed. That um, is fucking interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and to redeem himself through being brought into the fold by a young person who's very much like him, you know, on a desert planet, no family, you know, um seeking guidance like she's the one who kind of brings him back in and shows him that he can still have hope and so I just and then and then for him to use and I think other people were upset well I want to have a big confrontation between Luke and Kylo Ren at the end the way it went down was perfect Luke showed that through the pacifism of the Jedi, that you can still be a hero. But he, like, him going up against his nephew and killing him, or going up against his nephew and being killed, that wouldn't have solved anything. That wouldn't have helped anyone. But to go up against his nephew and give them him the chance to confront him with no consequences, really, Mm-hmm. other than to distract him from the resistance mm-hmm. it gives him the chance them to the chance to confront each other without then also putting another person's life on his soul mm-hmm. cuz he would have killed mm-hmm. luke yeah and oh, you mean he 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 would have killed luke or i think luke he would have, have. Him? well either way that- it wouldn't have it wouldn't have i don't think it would have helped anybody yeah well i guess we Definitely know that he would have killed Luke because his very first action was to shoot all the the, the guns at him. Yes. Oh, God, that scene is amazing. I love the way Adam plays that scene. I know we haven't talked about a lot about Adam specifically. I think it's because Ben Solo uh, as a character is just so like embedded in my mind as a, a person yeah. that exists. <laughs> but Adam's performance in that scene where he is just unhinged and not in a way that is angry it's like unhinged trauma 
That's what Mm -hmm. it feels like to me is trauma. Like I see how he wants to fire every gun at this man who he blames for ruining his life. You ruined my life because of you. Here I am on this side being miserable. And I think the Mm -hmm. movie does an excellent job of showing just how fucking miserable he is. Mm-hmm. Like every time we see him right before a force bond, he's alone staring mm-hmm. forlornly at some kind of like machine or something that's being built for the first order. And he's just, he's a lonely, miserable person. He needs some SSRIs and therapy. He does. He needs a hug. He, he needs does. a hug. I'm here to, 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 to give it to him. I do. I, me too. Let me snuggle up in those pecs. If you know what I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, he is miserable. He is, he feels, I think, portrayed and traumatized by what happened, uh, between him and Luke and, and all of that comes out the way that he sinks into the chair and just like exhales after they've fired all those. Also the humor of the humor of like being like, I think you got it. Yeah. I I wanted so much more of that in this, in the third movie. I wanted Hux, the way Hux almost shoots Kylo when he's laying dead, like prone on the floor, like he is passed out and Hux is like, well, I could just shoot him right now and I could be the leader of the first order. You know, that's brilliant. More of that. Uh, I wish mm-hmm. we'd got more of that. But yeah, yeah um, I love Adam's performance of this. Like he, I think he really feels it's not just anger and hate and rage. It's trauma. And he's mm-hmm. carrying this trauma. And I think we really see that very deeply. God, we've got so much more to cover, but I feel like we need to find a, some way to get towards the end. So I do really want to talk about the throne room. Okay. I feel like we have to talk about that because it's one of my favorite scenes in any Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. And the elevator. God, the elevator scene. Okay. I'll just say that the elevator scene is so beautiful and moving and hot to me when they're riding up in the elevator and she's telling him, Ben, I can help you please, you know, let me help you. Like, God, it's like, I wasn't expecting that at all. And I remember the first time I was watching this movie thinking, where is this going to go? Like, he's not, there's no way he's just going to betray everything that he's decided he believes in all of a sudden. So Mm -hmm. when he, God, okay, first of all, I don't know about you, but the set design of the throne room is incredible to me it's so Mm -hmm. gorgeous the reds and the glass floor and like all of it is just so amazing um the actually all of that was was uh like just like a red curtain Mm -hmm. and glass floor and like Mm -hmm. like uh, that was one of the trick 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 things i I wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna read that one because that one isn't as interesting but yeah like that was not there was no ccgi Mm -hmm. or green Mm -hmm. screen or anything that was all like the simplicity of it yeah is so brilliant. Um, it's like it's like the, a dungeon in hell. It's like mm-hmm. living in hell. He's like in the bowels of hell every time he goes in mm-hmm. there. Um, yeah. And so, I I don't know. I don't I don't even know how to parse out my feelings about this throne room scene. I really don't. Um, so I guess I'll just try to reflect on how I was feeling in the moment when I saw it in the theater. Maybe that's the best way to go with this. I never expect them to kill Snoke in this movie. Did not expect it. Didn't see it coming. When he is I, when he is about when when Snoke is telling him to kill Ray with the, his own lightsaber. I am was sitting there thinking, I have no idea how they're going to get out of this. I didn't I never believed for a second that he was going to kill her. I was like mm-hmm. they're too close now for this to 
go that way. But how is he, is he going to try to convince her to join him? Like what's going to go on? And, and then when he starts turning that close up of the hand turning Mm -hmm. and the lightsaber kind of twitching, I was like, Oh fuck. Oh Mm -hmm. fuck. And then the, the, the lightsaber just like severing Snoke and then the close up shot of the fingers, just the finger curl as the lightsaber slices through Snoke and then goes into her hand. I don't think there's a, I, that is one of the top, maybe one of the top moments for me in all of Star Wars history. Seriously. Yeah, a great, great moment. Exhilarating. And then the way yeah. that they look at each other just as they're about to fight back to back. And they like, they look at each other and then they go, boom, and they like turn and like, yeah, the, and the, they did slow motion at that mo- yes. mo- moment, yes. I think. Yes, yes. Like, um, here we go. The, also, I know we talked about Rey as being this really positive character, but I also love that as a, a hero, she is like, she's the screaming, the like, the the way that like she is not there she's not dainty about her like no. lightsaber fight she is like she is like an animal who is mm-hmm. pouncing and i yes. love it so much but there's also a lot of that in him too and so there's this uh a lot of uh mirror mirroring i think of the 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 grunting and the screaming and i'm just like yes i want a female hero who screams when she when she swings her <laughs> lightsaber i want that that's what i want in a hero from yeah. a woman. Anyway, yeah. uh, the, I, I really, I don't think words could describe how much I love the throne room or the lightsaber fight in the throne room. It is my favorite lightsaber. Uh, that, I, I, it's hard for me to choose between that and The Force Awakens, but I, the throne room might be my favorite lightsaber fight of all time. And I know people have gone and tried to pick apart the air choreography and fuck those people. Emotionally, this scene is so satisfying because it's the culmination of these two characters coming together. And for a mm-hmm. second, you're like, that's it. He's going to turn. This is it. He is going to, they're going to walk off together mm-hmm. on the same side. But that's not what happens but, at all. No. And no. that is also an amazing narrative twist. Because you can't at this point in the story. We got to get through the third movie. We can't have them come together just yet. But it's so heartbreaking that they don't. Yeah, I know. And she she totally bet best him too like he, she he wakes up and she's gone and everyone is dead <laughs> like oh yeah no she like... she gets him good uh i did want to say really quickly of the proposal at the end at the end of that scene where he's like join me what did you did you see that as a romantic proposal or as a strategic proposal strategic for sure I did too um, at the time, but I now realize it as a marriage proposal. Probably, it is a was marriage, a marriage well, it was proposal. Probably strategic and ro- 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 romantic. Like he was probably thinking mm-hmm. romantically and strategically, mm-hmm. and he probably wasn't like explicitly saying like I want to be in a relationship mm-hmm. with you. It was more like let's uh, let's work to get together. Let's get a cup ruling. of coffee at the at the at the cafeteria, uh, you know, on the third floor, and see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a marriage proposal. It totally is. I see that now. Like his hand outstretched and that like I think in the top probably in the top 5 moments of Adam Driver performances of all time. That please. That sad tortured please. Yeah. It, there's so much wrapped up in that one word. Yeah. And hey, let me tell you a little something about what Ryan Johnson said in a, an inter- interview about that scene. He, this whole relationship, in case you're wondering, was always meant to be romantic for him. 
he knew that that's where this was going as a, as a filmmaker. Did J.J. Abrams believe that as well? I, I don't know. I mean, he kind of had you to take know? it with him in the next movie, but I'm not sure if that was something he meant. Uh, J.J. did. Uh, but Ryan Johnson always saw this as a romantic pairing, uh, and he compared the proposal in the scene where he's saying, join me. He compared it to Pride and Prejudice when uh, the proposal scene of Pride and Prejudice, where the... Where the uh, um, which is a you know I haven't read but I've seen a lot of people screenshot on Twitter uh the film but but you know the character of Darcy who is this like hardened kind of grumpy uh per- person who is per- trying to propose his love for or propose to a woman that he loves but he's saying all the wrong things mm-hmm. and that's exactly what happens here it's like he he says everything he's trying to say which is you may not have your parents may not be uh, uh, have this legacy that my parents have and the universe may not see you as anything but a scavenger but i see you and i want you like that's what he's saying but he says it in the way that makes her feel like shit yeah and that's part of i think what causes her to not consider his offer like to her she's like mm-hmm. why well, can't she's like i'm not going to stay here with you and become part of this machine uh i want you she's like i want you and and he thinks he's giving her what she wants uh, and being open about his feelings when really he's what everything he's saying is making her feel yeah no I would, upset. I would not have responded well to that. But I think it's brilliant because of course somebody who doesn't who has been cut off from uh, any kind of loving relationship for years probably of course he wouldn't know. Also, it's not like Ben Solo probably had a ton of girlfriends. You know what I'm saying? In Jedi school. In fact, uh, no. a sidebar: Adam Driver did ask Ryan Johnson during as he was trying to figure out his character and what was going on in this movie, did she's like, well, did, has Ben, did Ben ever have a girlfriend? Like, you know, has he ever kissed anyone? Has he ever had sex? Yeah. Uh, and Ryan's response was, I think he probably kissed somebody in his Jedi temple days playing spin the lightsaber. That's what he told him. Oh my God. <laughs> Which I think is the cutest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Spinning the lightsaber. Uh, but suffice to say, he's pretty inexperienced. So, um, yeah he probably wouldn't know how to propose properly. Also, I just, Aww. also, I want to think, I think about the hand scene where they touch in the head. And I know guys, we haven't covered hardly anything in this movie, but there's just so much to talk about. I feel like I could talk for days and we just can't. But I, I always think when he takes his glove off right before he touches her, when was the last time he touched anyone with his bare hands? That's what I think about. How long has it been know. since yeah. he touched anyone or had anyone touch him? You know, yeah, that loneliness. That did they actually touch? I forget. Yes, they touch hands. They touch fingers. Uh, In fact, I think Ryan Johnson said this is that scene is the closest scene you'll ever get to having a sex scene in a Star Wars movie. Did you already get that (laughs) trivia? Is that already on your list? No, 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 no. no. (laughs) Um. Okay. I want to keep talking about this, but I can't uh, because there's just. I, we could go on for it's, days and days. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also really love the scene between Luke and Yoda. I don't want to get into it yeah. because we can't. But I want to say that I think that's an example of really of nostalgia being used well. Nostalgia yeah. being used in a way to forward, make the story move forward and not just as a, a thing to make us feel good as in our, you know, I remember this thing and I like this thing. Uh, it, it, that's a really beautiful scene as well. Um, all right. Anything else to say about The Last Jedi? Um I liked it the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. I still like it. I have no problems with any of these sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just think it, they're so, solid films. Yeah. Like, I think that I really love mm-hmm. 
the force bond part mm-hmm. of it the most. Yeah. Um, just because I love re- re- relationship type stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. The relationships in this movie are really yeah. strong between all the characters, you know, like Poe, again, learning to become a leader. Finn, you know, we didn't really talk about Rose, Rose which I feel like is a huge yeah. crime. I absolutely love Rose Tico. Well, I want, I wanted more of her in the third movie. I hope that we get that one day. Um, yeah. I, uh, Rose, I think, gives Finn an opportunity to see someone who has, ho- whose life has been, you know, ruined by the First Order like his has. But mm-hmm. she chooses hope. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of what allows Finn to make the choice to say, I am going to really commit to this. And and I'm yeah. sure you guys can hear the leaf blower outside. I apologize. We're just going to live with it. Uh, apparently, somebody is leaf blowing right next to my uh, my garage, which is where I record. And I apologize if you guys are hearing that. Um, I I guess I'll, I'll forego talking about where I'd like to see the story go in the future until the rise of Skywalker. But suffice to say, uh, again, I, I, I know that there are times in this fandom as a whole star Wars fandom where uh, a certain thing is rejected. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. And there's a lot of vitriol about the sequel trilogy, which is crazy to me. Cause I feel like these movies are incredible. They look gorgeous. The writing is excellent for the, the most part. Is excellent. The, yes. The everything acting is, is like incredible. Excellent. The effects are, are amazing. It's top notch star Wars. I really think it's the culmination. It's like the best that they could have done. Yeah. Uh, and maybe in, but, and I, here's my prediction. I feel like in 10 years, uh, this sequel trilogy will be revered by, uh, in the same way. Uh, and I, I think it is revered amongst a, a large group of the fans, but I feel like rather than have a debate as, as to whether the last Jedi is going to, is one of the best Star Wars movies ever made. I don't think it's going to be a debate. I think this movie is one of the best Star Wars movies ever made to me. It's right up there with Empire Strikes Back. Um, and uh, I think it's quite unquestionably a movie that's going to hold up uh, over time. And uh, in 10 years, I think we'll be seeing the kind of, I, I should say this, we should be seeing the kind of nostalgia for this trilogy that we saw for the original trilogy and then subsequently the prequel trilogy, which I don't know if you know this, but in the coming year, we've got an Obi-Wan Kenobi show coming out with uh, both a, a Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen uh, playing Darth Vader. Yes, coming out in uh, next year. Uh, we have a, an Ahsoka series, which Ahsoka is a character from the uh, Clone Wars with characters from those uh, that world coming out. Uh, uh, so we're getting a lot of this stuff you know, from the prequel trilogy is, is continuing in this, in the, in a form of a TV show. And I hope what we'll get is more, I want to know what happens with Finn, what happens with Ray, what happens with Rose, what happens with, with Ben, what happens with Poe, all of that. I hope we'll get that because I, in some ways, the sequel trilogy feels like a bridge to me between the original trilogy and the new characters. It, it is also about telling the, 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 it's about wrapping up the story of the original trilogy. And I'd like to see the sequel trilogy characters stand on their own as a story and we didn't we don't we didn't ever get a chance to have that because we were still wrapping up these other storylines uh so i hope that we'll get maybe a a a disney plus show or some more movies ryan johnson still has a uh a a trilogy that on the books for disney uh for star wars uh we don't know when or what it's going to be but supposedly that i would love to see him take these characters on again that's what i want and i think there's i'm not the only one who thinks this of course uh, basically everyone who loves ben and ray wants to see (laughs) ryan johnson take these characters on and i want to see ben and ray reunited that's what i want 
Uh, but we'll talk, I guess we can talk more about that when we get to Rise of Skywalker. But I also want to see more Rose Tico. Uh, I, I thought she was great. I want, I want to see her stand on her own as a story. Uh, I feel like in some ways her story is a compliment to Finn's story. And then we don't get much of her in the third movie. Um, so I'd like to see a Rose, like Rose Tico, like her journey. I want to see that a little bit more. Anyway, I love this movie deeply. I might watch it again tonight just for the fuck of it. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Shall we get into our moments of thirst? Sure. I, it was really hard for me to not just write an entire page of moments of thirst. Cause this whole movie is so fucking thirsty. Uh, Sarah, would you like to go first? Um, sure. I didn't write these down, but mm-hmm. I can picture them. Yes. So I can picture them um, very clearly. The like basically like every shot of him. Um every shot. Literally every like, shot. Like literally every shot. Every shot. Um, All of them. So the first instance of him taking off his mask. Mm-hmm. Um God, that close up in <sighs> um shirtless looking at Ray. Oh, in the force bond. The divide, the force bond. When he's all like oiled up. <laughs> yeah. Looking shiny him, and plump. Him doing his lightsaber like thing. Oh, where he's pointing it at people. With, yes. Yeah. yeah. His aggressive um, lightsabering. Yes. <laughs> you know, with Luke where he just like kind of squats and like sticks it oh, out. Oh God. The, the, the thunderous squat. <laughs> yes. The thunderous lightsaber squat is like... I, that's a key Ben Solo move, and I love yes. it. Yes, um, so I think those are the top ones oof. that I'm I'm thinking of. Those are great. Uh, I I think I got a little bit more specific here. Number one, I have pouting the lips. I feel like Adam Driver's lips are really like on display in this movie in a way that not every movie they like his. I don't know what they were doing to his lips. The lenses were the, lips oriented. They were they lips were lenses. lenses. Yes. And his lips look so plush and just like plump in this movie. And he's pouting the whole time. And I'm just like, yes, give me more of this. Um, the rage and petulance that he displays in this movie. I don't know. Found it hot. Can't explain it, but I do. Um, God. Oh, the piloting. We didn't. You. I know. I thought this would be on your list when he's oh, yeah. piloting the ship in the early part of the movie, and he he just looks so focused. So focused. Oh my God. Um, so hot. Something that like I discussed with my partner is like yeah. attention is sexy. Attention is like, sexy. Focus sexy. and attention is super sexy, and he's like so focused on when he's piloting in that scene. Yeah. Uh, the elevator scene is super hot. It's so fraught with emotion. Um, his, again, the anguish, he's like, I want to cuddle him and fix him, Sarah. I want to cuddle him and fix him. And mm-hmm. I you can't do it. Nicole, I, you can't. But I he's could. Dead. He don't say, don't even say, I know. Did we, did we see a force ghost, Sarah? Did we see a force ghost? We didn't. No. So I still have hope and I'm going to hold on to that hope. <laughs> um, I mean, I know he technically disappeared and all of that, but that doesn't mean we can't bring him back. I'll get into the work. We'll talk about world between worlds in the next, when we talk about rise of Skywalker, I'll talk all about world between worlds because I don't think, I think they could bring Ben Solo back quite believably. We'll get into it. Um, uh, Ben Solo is a huge dork and you know, I'm hor- horny for dorks. 
The way he like academically wants to analyze what's going on with the force bond, the way that Ray is just like, I'm going to like her first thought is I'm going to shoot you. And his mm-hmm. first thought is what's happening here? Like, can you see me? Like what's going on? Yeah. Like yeah. his <laughs> academic interest in what's going on is so dorky. And yeah. I am so here for it. Uh, the throne room scene is like, a, is like fucking porn to me. I could just mm-hmm. watch that on repeat endlessly forever. The whole scene. <laughs> Uh, his fingers, the curling fingers, Sarah, the close up of the fingers. I'm not saying anything original. Raylo's uh, throughout time and space have made gifts of those fingers and just shared them as a pick me up. And yes. uh, anyway. Uh, also, the hand. I didn't mention this, but when he touches her hand, when he, when touches, he touches the glove. Yes. Also, his hand is so big it's compared so to So huge. His monstrous, his monster paw. I just. <laughs> I could go on and on. Uh, I wanted to say something about the the oily shirtless scene for a second because again, like I know everybody points to that as like a and and you'd think that would be like on my list as one of the hottest things in this movie, but I think compared to the eyes and the pouting and and the and his his hair just like askew. Uh, I didn't even get to the hair. His hair looks amazing in this movie. Um, I feel like the scene where he's got no shirt on is almost comedic to me. Like the way that he turns around and has these, like, it's like a, a, a play on a, 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 a play to me on the hot bad boy. And, mm-hmm. and there's, and the fact that Ray is just like so uncomfortable. She's like, could you put something on please? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think she's just uncomfortable with his nudity, but I think she's uncomfortable with seeing him so vulnerable. Like he's so vulnerable. And 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 she's uncomfortable maybe with the feelings that she's having for him mm -hmm. in that moment. And to me, that's what I thought. The first thing I saw it, I was like, oh, she's attracted to him. Yes. And so that for that reason, that scene to me plays more for humor in that moment than uh than for hotness, which I know that a lot of people don't read it that way. But to me, I was like, it's funny to me how she's just like can't she's just befuddled can't deal with the hotness of her enemy in this moment um yeah i also like now that i'm thinking about it i love that they didn't do the opposite where they caught mm -hmm. her at a moment when she yes give us more of that give me hot half-dressed villains give me more i deserve it i've earned it as a woman in society i have earned it Mm -hmm. as you would imagine i'm normally up for pretty much anything in the bedroom but i can't tell if what happened was weird or sexy are you ready for Adam and Andy yeah. trivia. Yes, are you? I am ready. Give it, bring it on. Give me the trivia. I want it. I'm just going to read some stuff mm. because this is from a list. I love it. I, I love it. Figured. Okay. Johnson says, Ryan, Ryan Johnson mm-hmm. says, when he got the job, he was really excited to work with Adam Driver specifically yeah. and only became more excited mm-hmm. once he saw the, the, the Force Awakens. So he, yes. he knew about this job before. Yes. Yes. That came out, I think. Yes, he did. Yeah. He met with a bunch of people. He met with Dave Filoni, uh, who, you know, was kind of uh, the, he's been the driving force behind the Clone Wars series. He met with JJ, like he talked, like, I think he actually told JJ, I'm sorry if this is in your trivia. Uh, I, I feel like I'm now spouting trivia. I apologize if it's I'm okay. taking this from you. But the one thing that Ryan asked for at the end of The Force Awakens, because JJ was going to have BB-8 on the island with Ray. Uh, at the end when she's giving Luke the, the lightsaber and Ryan was like, the one thing he asked was like, instead of BBA, can you have, 
R2-D2 be there because he wanted Luke and R2-D2 to reunite and he wanted to have that scene where uh, R2-D2 plays back Leia's message. Mm, Anyways. Sweet. Um, Johnson smashed Mm -hmm. the Kylo Ren helmet himself. Ooh, really? The initial take just had it split in half, Mm -hmm. but he wanted to do another take with it smashed a bit. Mm -hmm. So Johnson took his foot to it. Nice. I really feel like there's an entire person on employed by the first order who just has to fix things that Kylo breaks when he's angry. Like there's one technician that that's their entire job. I want to see a, a, their story. <laughs> What's going on with that person? They, they get a call. They're like, okay, the elevator's broken. All right, I'll be right there. So I find this interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the original written line was not as concise mm-hmm. as it's time for the Jedi to end. Yes. Um, Johnson says when they cut the trailer, mm-hmm. the trailer guys mm-hmm. who cut cut it, mm-hmm. cut it down to this line. Mm-hmm. And so Johnson went back and readjusted it after he saw how much bet be, be, bet of that line was. I love it. I love it. I'd like Isn't to know what cool the... Or- like, yes. Editors were like, this is a better line. Well, because the trailer is going to try to make it as concise as possible. Yeah. Uh, I love that. And I love that Ryan is able to see something like that and go, oh, that's brilliant. Let me go back and change it. You know, like that's yeah. that's I think that's artistry to really see like how other people can change your view of your story. And after how many times they've probably watched it and been in the editing room, he's like, oh, thank you for this gift. And it is a great line. It's very powerful. And I, we didn't really get to this, but I was hoping after this movie, I was really hoping and I'm hoping we can still get a story like this. Uh, I'd love to see more non-Jedi Force users or Sith. Like, I'd li- where are the in between? Like, like mm-hmm. I think Ray and Ben could have progressed to the sort of gray area where they're using light and dark. And mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of uh, I've read a lot of fix where this where this is a part of the story, and it's really interesting. And I think somewhere that they could take the Force in a new direction. And I feel like more attuned to our current belief about humanity that humanity isn't all good or all bad uh it's Mm -hmm. it's not black and white it's gray and i want to see more gray you know people that aren't necessarily jedi aren't necessarily sith but are walking between and and uh, we didn't get that in the rise of skywalker unfortunately but maybe one day we will that's interesting yeah the best advice johnson got from from jj a a a a a abrams editors Mm -hmm. well the best advice he got from anyone were from jj mm-hmm. abrams editors who told him for every scene shoot a cut a cut away <laughs> of b of, B, of bb8 yes. and he'll yes. never regret it yes and he says that, that they were right it's so true and there's so many great bb8 reaction shots in this movie it's almost mm-hmm. like bb8 is almost like uh when you're in a movie and there's a dog and they're like cut to the dog for a good cutaway of that cute dog face like that's literally it like bb8's little head swiveling to look at things when he's confused sounds oh my god amazing perfect happy beeps happy beeps buddy happy beeps oh yes that's perfect all right i'm just trying to make sure there's no 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 No, that's amazing good i think that's i think that's good uh that was great i love it um just like more like uh, behind the scenes mm-hmm, facts, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if you've watched the behind the scenes documentary uh, on The Last Jedi. Uh, you can watch mm-hmm. it on Disney+. Plus. It You should, if you've got some time this weekend, you should check it out. It's really amazing. Oh, one thing we didn't talk about, and I was thought, I, I didn't want to step on your toes in case it was in your trivia. Did you know that all of those Force Bond scenes were filmed like 
Adam and Daisy were together in all of those scenes. So Daisy and Lou and, and, and Mark were off in some fucking remote Island filming all the stuff on Octo and they flew mm-hmm. Adam out as well. So all of those scenes where she's having these force bonds with Kylo, he's actually there. And likewise, all of the scenes on the first order ship where Kylo is having all of that stuff, they filmed together. And I think it really, you can really tell because like actors are great and they're great at acting, right? So we can imagine what it's like to connect with somebody. But I feel like to have the other, to have your scene partner there so that you yeah. can really connect. Also, I, I think I really noticed this time how like every time Daisy is looking at Adam in those force bond scenes, like how high she's, <laughs> she's looking up so high because <laughs> he's obviously so tall and he was really there. And I think yeah. that makes a difference to have the actors play off of each other and not because they could have just said, oh, it's too expensive. We can't fly. There's no reason to fly Adam out to this island. He's not in any of these scenes. But but instead they were like no he's got to be there it's important that he's in these scenes. Yeah, with her. I mean totally. I just take stuff like that for granted. Mm-hmm. Granted, gra- gra- it's like as an actor you you need that mm-hmm. and like you need that connection, that human connection mm-hmm. to play off of the other actor. And I think that that really made these scenes work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can see that in some of the behind the scenes footage, um, the uh, sort of them uh, in these scenes together connecting, even though they're physically distant in the movie. Yeah. Oh, that was great. I loved that. That was lovely trivia. Yeah. I love it so much. Thank you. Thank you for always providing the great trivia bits. Oh, yeah. Oh, you look awesome. Come the fuck upstairs. (laughs) Okay. But wait, I have to warn you about something. What? If you come up here, I'm going to tie you to my bed and keep you for at least three days. I'm just in that kind of mood. Okay. So we're ready to talk about what we're going to watch next week. Uh, yes. So there's no reason to spin the wheel. Uh, sorry, guys. Uh, I might change that graphic since it's been a while since we've spun the wheel. Uh, but I, uh, I think we all know what we're going to see next, uh, next time. And it is, uh, House of Gucci. House of Gucci, House of Gucci is coming next. Look at face. Look at all their faces. I know. God. I, th- I think this might be one of the most anticipated movies of the year for me. Oh my God. Honestly, I am just... I cannot wait. So you and I are going to be seeing this. I might have to extract myself from Twitter for about a week until, because we're not seeing this on Thanksgiving, obviously, because you and I, you're going out of town. We're not going to be able to see it together. And we wanted to see it together. So we're going to wait until like, I think we're going on the December 2nd, right? Or first, something like that. December December 1st. 1st. We're December 1st and then recording on the 2nd. Yeah. So, um, so I might have to extract myself from Twitter for a while to avoid spoilers, which uh, is going to be hard because Twitter is like my happy place right now. <laughs> um, but uh, also, I feel like, should we tell our listeners a little bit about our special, uh, the special thing that's happening with this? Sure, yeah. So uh, we, uh, one of our friends, uh, Fabre, uh, is going to be um, guesting with us on the show. Uh, she sent me a text uh, asking me when we were going to see the House of Gucci. And I was like, do you want to go see it with us? And she was like, absolutely. And then I was like, why don't you come? Why don't you be a guest on our episode? And so we've yeah. never had a guest on the show. And this is going to be our first guest on the Adam and Andy podcast. So we're going to have a guest with us to talk about House of Gucci. And I can't wait. I think it's going to be a really good time. Uh, I'm not go- uh, For once, I'm going into an Adam movie. Not. I mean, obviously, there's him being fucking murdered is going to be sad i I, i'm i'm preparing myself for that it's going to be really hard uh to see that character how many times has he been 
murdered in films. The last film we saw of his, he was mur- murdered in that as well. Uh, how many times has he not been murdered? I think is more <laughs> a more important question. Well, I guess uh, he survives Black Klansman. Uh, he yeah. survives Do- Man Who Killed Don Quixote. I guess it's really just the last duel and uh, um, obviously the Rise the of Skywalker. Last, um, Rise of Skywalker and this one, House of Gucci. House of Gucci. Uh, and so aside from the murdery part, I feel like I'm not going into it being like dreading some heaviness. Although I loved yeah. The Last Duel was great and Annette was great. Great movies. I know you didn't like Annette, but I loved it. Uh, but I, I know that this this feels a little bit more flashy and campy and I think I'm ready for that. Uh, yeah. But I also know that I feel like I'm already very, I feel like I already have a soft spot in my heart for this character, uh, Maurizio. And so I think that it's going to be sad when that happens in the film. And I I know, yeah. Honestly, I'm more excited about Gaga. Like I love Adam Mm -hmm. and I'm really excited about that. But like Gaga is just so like spectacular. Like she's so dramatic. Incredible. I just, I can't wait. I can't wait for the two of them. I've actually really loved uh, all of their, their bestie banter uh, this whole like promo season. Um, By the way, uh, listeners, I'm not even going to try to hide this anymore. We recorded this episode in two parts. So I don't know if anybody of you noticed, but my couch, I got a new couch in the interim of this. Uh, So, and the reason I wanted to say this was because uh, last night, uh, of course, it was Adam Driver's birthday, and uh, to that yesterday, uh, when we started this recording, it was like the day before his birthday. Um, and uh, so Gaga posted two things: one on Instagram, wishing him a happy birthday, and also saying shout out to all of Adam's fans uh, because uh, uh, I know how much you love him. And I was like, oh my god, like. Lady Gaga is like, she's like wishing him a happy birthday, but also like wishing his fans his happy birthday. And I was like, who does that? What a queen. Uh, she also posted basically what it amounts to a fan cam of Adam Driver on her uh, TikTok wishing him a happy birthday. It was set to Star Wars music. <laughs> and it was just oh different gosh. shots of him. Uh, and she was basically like, happy birthday. You fuck, you're, you're a weirdo just like me. And I was like, I love Aww, that. What a special friend. I, I love the idea that they're friends. And like, there's that the picture of them at the after party with Joanne. And I'm just like, oh my God, I just want them to all be besties forever. Um, I love it when weirdos find each other. I just love that mm-hmm. so much. It's like you and me, we're weirdos yeah. who found each other. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, I guess that's it. We're going to, we'll see you in the next episode. Uh, Wiping our hands of this. Uh, Don't think this is the last time I'm going to talk about The Last Jedi, but I'll try. Um, So, listeners, next time you see us, uh, we will be talking about House of Gucci. Uh, You can uh, tell us what you think. Uh, Is there anything we, uh, you feel like anything we missed or got wrong about The Last Jedi? Or if you wanted to share, maybe if you want to share your favorite uh, scene from The Last Jedi or your favorite moments of thirst, um, you can uh, tweet at us at, at Adam Andy Pod or uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Adam and Andy Podcast. Um, happy Adam Driver's birthday, Sarah. Happy Adam Driver's birthday, Nicole. It's a very special day. It really is. Mm-hmm.